0: Pedestal listeners, today's episode is being brought to you by Stars on Crave. This week's movie, The Breakfast Club, and in fact, every movie we do from now on, is available to stream right now on Stars, home to some of the biggest hit movies. Go to crave.ca to sign up and try it out for a week. And now, on to the show.
1: You're listening to The Pedestal from Mike on Much, presented by Much Studios.
0: Welcome to The Pedestal. I am Mike Veerman. We are here with Shane Cunningham, who joins me on the Mike & Much podcast. We are also joined by award-winning director, writer, producer, and Mensa member, Jonathan Poplis. Hello, hello. But that is not all. We have a very special guest here in the studio with us. Very pleased to welcome Relationship Advice columnist, co-host of The Social, and the author of the new book, Find Your Pleasure, The Art of Living a More Joyful Life, Cynthia Loist.
2: Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. This that was is a so really exciting. Nice shout out! I, I'm still getting used to the idea that I'm an author because the book isn't out yet and it's not quite real. Right. Um, so when it comes out, I, I want to, you know, I, I can't wait to hear what people think. But it's a bit scary. It's like putting a, a baby out into the world and like asking people to judge it and scrutinize it. It's been an interesting process. I, I, I always I ask to
1: people you. to scrutinize my baby. Don't scrutinize <laughs> baby. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <He carries laughs> pictures everywhere. What are your thoughts? I mean, a book is a long time in the making. It really, it is kind of like a pregnancy. I think just over a year. And, you know, like it's basically I had started a website a few years ago because I felt like I was really lost in my life. I had all these things that I was really happy about or should have been happy about. Great partner, new child, great job on the social. But I was kind of quietly miserable. And when I started asking around to my female friends how life was going for them, a lot of them were saying the same thing. And same with my male friends, I will say. But I was just like, what's going on here? That we have all these things surrounding us that are good, and yet we're we're in this rat race, and we're not enjoying any of it. So it was it was a call to action for me to kind of pull back and look at my life differently, and start zooming into the small, tiny things that that I feel like I lost sight of in in the rat race, and also zooming out to the larger things in life. So the book is kind of a it's like a call to action. It's it's also a kind of a diary. It's filled with pictures and it's filled with moments, and it covers everything from the Home to family life to friendship to sex and um, and I think that that I I hope people will read it and kind of think more broadly about what brings them pleasure.
3: Mm-hmm. What's this book called again?
2: Find your pleasure. Find
3: your pleasure. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got to read this book. Yeah, I feel like I'm caught up in the okay, rat good. race. I feel, yeah. Yeah. what
0: yeah. She she's saying, saying is resonating with you. Well, right? she's oh, saying yeah. the same yeah.
1: with me. You're saying it a lot. I'm like, yeah, no, this sounds like exactly like.
2: I think <laughs> what's we all get caught in these <laughs> things. So January seventh, 2020, it is out. Maybe we'll come back. and I'll come back and we'll. Talk about it more.
0: Maybe you'll come on uh, our other podcast, Mike. On much, and we'll do a full, full on conversation with this because yeah. these are topics right. that I think resonate with people. Like these guys, both it resonates with everybody. It's almost like the more we accomplish, the the less happy we become. When you think that the accomplishment is the thing that will make you happy,
2: one hundred percent. Yeah, and you have to get rid of all that shit. Get shed rid it. of it all. Shed it, and just zoom into what makes you happy.
3: Does it talk about how to like overcome a commute? To work every day, <laughs> I do talk about a
2: specific. <laughs> chapter. No. Work, I commute. do. There is a piece on commuting. Okay, good. I'm not kidding I'm you. This yes. Wow. yes.
0: Amazing. There you go. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a tease for all the commuters who might be listening to this <laughs> podcast <laughs> on your commute to work. Uh, so this podcast is the pedestal where we take an old film and we revisit it to see if it should remain on the pedestal or maybe be knocked off. Today we are doing a film of Cynthia's choice called The Breakfast Club. <laughs> Interesting side note: You originally had Predator as your choice. And <laughs> I it, did. Just for our listeners out <laughs> there, potato, potato. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> similar genre. Uh, and then we switched it up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do. I fucking love Predator. It's one of the greatest movies ever, and I can't believe you guys haven't seen it. And I know. it's so I have seeing. seen seeing. I love that you've seen it, and I love, it. It. I love that it. you love it. Many yeah, times. we'll talk about that at some other point in time. But I think The Breakfast Club is great just because it is filled with teen angst. I think it formulated so many people that I know's ideas around. Adulthood. So I thought it was important for us to talk about.
0: It's, that's uh, one of the many reasons this will be uh, one that I'm excited to get into. Uh-huh. So for people, uh, we like to give a little bit of context for what was going on when this film came out. The Breakfast Club came out in 1985. And we like to do a little bit of guessing off the top here. Uh, if people can guess the top five grossing films of 1985. Back oh. to the Future's got to be number one. You are correct on that. Come on, 85.
2: You did great. Is yeah. there a That's Star a theme Wars? In there, the movie, no, right? it's not Star you know Wars. Star Wars. That um, you know I'm not
0: great at these. 85. Can you give a
2: hint? Give a hint. Give an actor.
0: Uh, Sly Stallone has two in the Rocky. top five. Rocky. Rocky. Nope. A, a Rambo. Rambo 2. Oh, you got <laughs> it. Okay, so, the, so the, th- the second highest grossing film of 1985 is Rambo First Blood Part 2, first which I think is a funny two. title. <laughs> when the first, yeah, first one is second First Blood. blood. Part yeah. two. The first one's blood. just
1: called First Blood. Oh, mm-hmm. right. All right. The second one is Rambo second First blood. blood Part 2. And the third one is just called Rambo 3.
2: Got it. Got it. But the most weird.
3: recent one is called Last Blood. I know. Yeah,
1: part which four. makes no sense.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Rambo.
1: No, Last but there's Blood, another part one four. called John Rambo that came out like 5 years ago. I know, it's a strange
0: franchise. I like that you're up on all of the ins and outs of the Rambo. Well, First Blood canon. is an
1: amazing movie and then every subsequent movie just gets like worse and worse and worse oh. anyways. Yes.
0: All right. As tends to happen. So uh, uh yeah, that was Rambo's number 2. Number 3 was the other Sly film, which Cynthia said Rocky number 4. Rocky IV. Uh, that's pretty amazing. Like the the fourth film in that franchise was the third highest-grossing film of 1985. Like that was a huge mm. movie. Slime though. made a lot of money he went, in yeah, 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 yeah. He did. Uh, number four, The Color Purple. Steven Spielberg. Okay. Very important oh. film. I haven't okay. seen that. Either. I didn't even know that Oprah was a big in money that. Right? Maker. She yeah. is. Oprah's speech. in it. Mm. Um, and the fifth highest-grossing film of 1985 is. Uh, you want to guess, Johnny? Akin? Platoon. No. Give, give an actor. Uh, Robert Redford
2: uh out of africa you got it wow yeah.
1: good, right. good, good. everyone good. talks
0: about when he washes her hair right that's mm-hmm. the famous right. scene uh, it's meryl streep and yes. Robert. Yeah. it's heart-wrenching yes um okay so maybe we'll do that on a future pod mm-hmm. then. you saying heart-wrenching just kind of gave me <laughs> <chills>. <laughs> you like, i've never seen <laughs> yeah, it but I, i'm familiar with all literally. the oscars it that it did yeah. that was the okay. big my mom one. was a big fan of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so uh okay so uh back to the breakfast club which came out in 1985 who wants to guess what it made Chainsaw is good. Well, Actually, no, we'll do the I, budget I always guess first. the
3: budget.
1: Let's do yeah, the budget. budget. Let's start with
0: the budget. What did this film cost to make in 1985 with a bunch of I young actors? it cost
2: a lot of money. I, d- no. I think it was pretty cheap. I'm going
0: to say seven mil. Good guess, Cynthia.
2: I'm going to go less than that. I I'm going to go s- five.
0: Five. Three and a half is what I was going to say. Johnny Pops the three and a half. The Breakfast Club in 1985 starring gonna a gonna bunch like of young actors.
3: going to be No, it's going to be probably close <laughs> to three.
0: Cost one million dollars to make. <gasps> oh man, I knew it. a
3: million! Dollars. Second, I said it. I knew it was
0: bad. Well, Molly Ringwald and Anthony Michael Hall were coming off of Sixteen Candles, which is another John Hughes. But John I, Hughes, but John Hughes at this point was still—he was a big—he was a big player. Yeah, but it doesn't not cost really. much to cast a bunch of young yeah, yeah. actors, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, like yeah, nobody yeah. in it was a big star, so you're not spending a lot, and it's one location. I mean, we'll get into this oh, as far course. as the concept. It's, I don't know, the know film. if it looks like, like. I'm
3: just saying, sometimes yeah. these bigger directors. Just want more money. Because Breakfast Club was supposed to be his first movie. And then they yeah. did 16 mm-hmm. Candles. So yeah, it yeah, wasn't yeah. that big.
2: Yeah. No,
1: But he had made, he had written, he had done, Vacation came before
0: this, right? Yes. Like he mm-hmm. was still doing, he was like, like a big. Yeah, anyways. I guess
3: this was like his Tarantino after he
0: wrote True Romance, yeah. period.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys want to guess what it made on that $1 million budget? Oh, like. It was the 16th highest grossing film of 85.
2: And But are we talking about how much it's made a, since a, then? That's what
0: I was going to ask. Yeah. Because altogether, it's got to be like $100 million.
3: And we're just talking uh, talking box office typically. Box
0: office North America. So I would consider this the theatrical run. Okay. 50 million.
2: Did you say 50? Yeah. 100. No way.
0: 30. Johnny, you are on fire today. Fuego, fifty one point five million oh, on a one million dollar nice. budget.
2: Nice, mm. very good. All right. Okay.
0: So, uh, what we like to do I'm on always this podcast. horrible at this. By the way, it's terrible. At this yeah, time. you really so, bring it because <laughs> we have a guest in house. Like, are you <laughs>
3: acting? Did you Google and
1: now no, you're
0: I'm- acting? <laughs> 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 you're of like you a- on, <laughs> no.
1: the one time, like like twenty five episodes in, I finally start to like ring it. Well, you're
3: more likely to Google after you fail a bunch because no, you're like, no, not no. next time. No, no, no. I like Man. to own that I, that I suck at this game a little bit. Okay.
0: Um, so, uh, like I said, we go into uh, we like to start with what we all felt the first time we saw it. So, what this movie meant to us, sort of when we were younger, when we first experienced it. Um, And then we sort of go to uh, our feelings about it after watching it, you know, recently. So, first of all, because you're our guest, Cynthia, what was your relationship like with this film uh, when it came out? Was this, I don't think it would have been a theater film for you? No. It would have been like a VHS? It was a VHS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or
2: maybe Beta, remember those two? Oh, Beta, we've talked about this before. We've gone into that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it was a VHS rental, and um, I remember just being riveted. And not wanting, like, I wanted to kind of leap inside the screen. I don't remember exactly what age I was, and I don't actually remember who I saw it with. In my own head, I was watching it by myself, and it's possible that I was. That's mm. what you do and back in the day. You go to your Blockbuster or your whatever, like, crappy v- video store, and you get out a movie, and it was like a big deal, and you go and you bring it home. And I think it was a movie that I knew my parents wouldn't appreciate me <laughs> watching, that it was already kind of a bit scandalous. A little dangerous. And then, exactly. And then, I, I mean, my memory now is having watched this movie again. And again and again, because re-watching it again last night, i I have half of it memorized. And I think I mean, without going too deeply into it, I think it actually had a bigger impact on me than i' like I'd like for it to have had because there's lots and lots of flaws with it, and we'll get into that. But I do think as a, a young woman seeing this, it formulated a lot of ideas about, who to be attracted to, about uh, the ways in which dynamics can work interpersonally. And that's, that's the negative side. But on the good side, I think it really articulated a kind of sense of, of otherness and outsiderness that every single teenager has gone through. And like alienation from your family and your and feeling like your parents don't get you and your teachers don't get you, but your peer group does. So I think in that way, it's still such a beautiful, beautiful fucking to- story.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so multiple viewings. Multiple. seminal film in your upbringing yes
3: and I got a criticism where uh, from someone the other day that said we never explain what the movie's about
0: hmm. like, like just on this pod in general
3: yeah that in we never say what like for example The Breakfast Club we didn't the say what the it's movie about is? oh that's
2: mm. a good idea okay yeah. so yeah. So how
3: would you describe it? Well, it's anyway. about
2: a bunch I'm not of, p- good
0: at that. It's about a bunch of people who go out for breakfast uh, yeah, once, a once a we meet week up every morning. They decided to start a fencing club. Uh, no, I don't know what the fuck. So like but don't you think that when like for the movies we're doing they're so iconic like you that also, you should come to it with a sort that, of
3: That's what I told my friend.
1: Mark I think it's one of those if you haven't me, seen but. this movie, you probably this this episode even if I explain to you what it's about probably i mean
2: i think you could j- whatever it's a movie about five different people who go to high school together who are all sentenced to one day of detention of detention yeah. for mm-hmm. all different reasons and they have nothing in common uh, off the top and they get together and by the end of the day they've all had kind of moving connections but whether or not those will continue onwards is anybody's guess yeah
3: sure. see, there there you go. Go. It's so hard okay <laughs> you know what? maybe we'll we do that
2: <laughs> from going
0: going, going forward? forward yeah i'd love to sum up a film for sure. people going Why forward. Not? okay <laughs> fine shane what was your relationship like with this film
3: Well, my stepmom had said, like, this is the movie for you to to watch. And then. What uh, did that
2: mean? Like, why did she think this was the movie? She just thought I would love it.
3: How old were you? I, uh, I was maybe, I was between 10 and 12.
0: Do you think she was like concerned about you socially? Like you could find something in these characters?
3: Or maybe she's like, I'm the stepmom. This movie's about hating your parents. I'm the cool mom. I'm the cool stepmom. Okay. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Screw your parents. Love me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, but I watched it and I just thought it was the most amazing movie. I loved all the characters in a different way, I could relate to every single character. By the end of it, I just love that uh, they all how they all became friends and they all like bonded over the, the stories they had and they were all more similar than they were different in a lot of ways. So I just thought it was very cool and it was one of those movies I watched probably it feels like you watched it a hundred times, but I'll say I watched it maybe twenty times.
0: Interesting,
2: That's a lot of times
1: though, mm-hmm. Johnny. So I I had not seen this movie until like eight years ago, and I know wow. it's exactly eight years ago because I found the Facebook post where I had listed like a bunch of movies that were in like my like. I haven't seen these movies. What should I see? And like everyone was like Breakfast Club. Of course Breakfast Club. So I'm like I guess Breakfast Club's the one. Like cuz growing up like John John Hughes was one of those directors that was one of the first directors or first filmmakers that you recognized was a filmmaker. Like there was someone who made these movies like he's the guy that wrote Home Alone and he's the guy that made Uncle Buck and he's the guy that made Planes, Trains and Automobiles. Um, but for some reason the teen ones like Ferris Bueller and Breakfast Club and Sixteen Candles and Pretty were I uh, just I just kind of missed those. So I watched this for the first time eight years ago, and I hated it. And I just absolutely <gasps> hate. it. I wow. remember my boss asked me, so what'd you think? Cynthia is shocked right now. <laughs> <I> totally <laughs> And she says, what did you think? Like my boss like, what'd you think? I'm like, more like breakfast flub, which was a great joke. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> As you can <laughs> tell by the reaction of yeah, the room. Joke. It was a great yeah, not joke, loved guys. It. <laughs> it was amazing. Okay, go on. And, uh, and then I didn't watch it again until... Two nights ago when I watched it for this. Because wow. my, my impression has been like, this is a terrible, terrible movie that I hate. Eight <laughs> years ago, <laughs> you <laughs> despised this
0: film. That builds a bit of tension. Now I, I'm does. wondering what your thoughts are now. So. Of course. Oh, yeah.
2: Interesting. I, have I think we need to time. unpack that later. We will. <laughs> okay. Let's get into the yeah, psychology okay. of what yeah. you disliked yes. about it. Um, oh, we
0: will get into it. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, my relationship with this film is that I think for all of us, the film was already sort of... It's old by the time we came to it, right? So it felt like something from... It's like um, yeah. So if it came out in '85 and I, we were seeing it by like the early '90s or whatever it would have been, it, it already felt like a classic of some sorts. I don't know if it was like older siblings or what. That so my my best friend Lee Penrose at the time he had like it on VH VHS and he was like, "I love this film. You need to see this film." So we watched it like a bunch, and I remember thinking like, "Yeah, like I really, I really do like this film," but it felt like the kids were older. Like, it felt heavier to me because I was probably, like, 11 or something when I was watching it. And they just felt kind of, like, wise but also sort of, like, emotional in a way that I hadn't totally tapped into. So it, it resonated with me for sure. And then I kind of, like, parked it like a classic in a way that it was, like, I didn't revisit it a ton. I, I wasn't, like, this is one of my top five favorite films or, like, I need to discuss this film a bunch. It was just, like, any other film, like, from the 80s that I kind of watched that I enjoyed Um, And then I just know it goes into sort of pop culture history and becomes sort of canon for so many young people. I think it passes through every young person's life at some point. Um, And it did mine. And then I sort of just walked away from it. And I would say I hadn't seen it front to back Maybe since like I don't know the mid 90s. I don't know. Like it would come on TV and you watch a scene or two. Or I'll I'll do 20 minutes. Edited. Uh, Edited exactly. Yeah. Um, And then and then so yeah. So I'm like I've always been like yeah I like that movie, but not like the way that Shane and Cynthia have discussed it. And I'm certainly not on the spectrum where Johnny is over it. With there's like a garbage can and then like a gold ribbon. I'm not closer to the garbage (laughs) can end of the spectrum. Um, Okay, so that's how we all felt about the film. So let's first move into uh, the positives. The the argument for keeping it on the pedestal. What did we like? was the best scene what was the best performance uh, Cynthia what oh did you like gosh. about this film upon rewatching?
2: okay I mean it's hard for me to completely look at this th- without a sense of nostalgia attached to sure. it so I-, I have to say that First off, um, I think what I liked about it is you have to remember that when this movie came out, and I think I'm a little bit older than you guys, there weren't a lot of movies for teenagers that took teenagers seriously. Like there was, there were horror movies, which I was a huge fan of, and you'd mm-hmm. often see teenagers, archetypal teenagers, like just getting murdered and running and being kind of idiots, right?
0: Or raunchy stuff. Or ra- Super yeah, raunchy, yeah. like the
2: Porkies, like those types of things. But to have what John Hughes brought forward were like teenagers saying stuff that I think a lot of people were thinking. And... And, and treating them like they were full human beings who had, yep. like, uh, depth and, and, you know, a past. So, well, right out of the gate, I, I mean, you don't want to break this down yet, I, I guess. I, I'll just say right you, out of the you gate. You go right go ahead. Go for it. Guess. Go for it. Break yeah. it down, baby. Right out of the gate, like, watching the opening scene and the way it was directed, um, the arrival scene. Yeah. So, everybody's coming out of the cars. And I just thought there were some really great directorial choices of just saying everything you needed to know about that character just by the car that they showed up in, the outfit they were wearing, the way they interact with their parents, seeing Judd Nelson's character, who, of course, is Johnny Bender, who's the badass, walking across the street, almost getting hit by one of the cars. No
0: parent dropping him no off. No
2: parent dropping him off, exactly. Says a lot. Like, right, at, right there, um, I just felt like you you get a snapshot. And as somebody who took screenwriting lessons, like, that is one of those things you need to do as a writer, as, oh, a, yeah. as a filmmaker. you got to tell me, um, without saying a word, who these people are. And so that's one of the things I loved about it. In terms of the best scene. Well, we'll get to best well, scene. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll talk okay. in a bit. Okay, so I'll, I'll just but, leave but, right just, there. Just yeah. general things we like about
1: But, her, but right. I agree yeah, that, that, that oh, the opening is great. I, love I, I, I for some reason, really loved Emilio Estevez's dad. The mom already
0: ran me, all right? You want to miss a match? You want to blow your ride? Our old school is going to give a scholarship to a discipline case.
1: Because Emilio Estevez's character throughout the movie so much feels like he's saying like he's, refle- he's a reflection of his dad. So when he's like saying this is stupid or he's like sort of like putting people down, you can easily see this guy who in the first scene was kind of, if you want to be a wrestler, if you want to get the scholarship, if you want to be like that. And so it really did. It teed them all up very quickly, every single one of them. Uh, yeah, you've yeah, got the job. Really well. you've
2: got the brain. Alice uh, Ali the... Sheedy's
1: character, that was the car that almost hit Bender yes. and then she just got out of the car and it took off. She like, went to
3: kind of say bye and they didn't yeah, do yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really yeah. well done. Yeah, and Anthony Michael Hall's uh, license plate. Did anyone notice what? No. What, it said? what did it, it say? It Said uh, E equals MC squared. So they really <laughs> got doubled
2: down on like he's a nerd. <laughs> that's and his actual it, mom and brother and sister. In the,
0: in the, yeah, sister. That's, you, know. you know, it's funny when as I was watching Anthony Michael Hall in this film, like it's like he he's very very good and actually all the performances are amazing. I we'll have to talk about the performances mm-hmm. um, of the kids of the five kids. I feel, uh, but it's funny. I can't help when I watch someone like Anthony Michael Hall who plays you know sort of a nerdy guy so well in real life it's like he's a cool L.A. actor like yeah. it's like interesting because I think about his life as a like in juxtaposition to the character he's playing and I'm like I think he, he became one at like that, that point he? I don't think because he'd already he been, in been, been in 16 Candles yeah. had he been in yeah. but that he was science. not cool he was right. not cool at that
2: age for sure okay. I
3: think in Johnny Be Good territory that's when they kind of converted him from the skinny nerd to a guy who could be captain of the football team yeah, yeah. And that was his transition I think he still he doesn't know how much money he's he's made really like he doesn't or know or about how f- to make or he how famous in, he's and Sixteen Candles. It's an iconic movie now, but at the time, he, he was just fresh off it.
0: He was the far, you think the that the we're still catching him in a moment where he doesn't realize yes. what's ahead for him. Breakfast yes,
3: Club was a starring role for him. Right. Yeah. yeah,
0: It made him into a star, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Or we're on his way to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, one. Of, I loved lots of stuff about this. What do we think of the Bowie quote off the top?
3: I, I'm putting that in, the, we're going to have another category where we talk about things we <laughs> don't like. Yeah. In particular, uh, it's yeah. smashing all over the place. And like,
0: <laughs> uh, okay, I, yeah. we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Okay. Well, because I have a... I, I'm somewhere in the middle on it. like Because when it came up, I'd forgotten that that happens. I, I, I remember thinking like, okay, this is, this is a little on the nose and I'm somewhat pretentious. On that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I almost forgive it because I'm like, we watch things now with sort of like an internet brain. Everybody knows. Like it's, like it's almost be silly and it's so trope to put a quote like that up now. But then I wonder if it was like something that was like, oh, like thought provoking well, or set the tone. Back
3: then came up at the top. It felt impactful meaningful. and meaningful yeah. and deep. What, yeah. that's why we're watching it now, right? now we're that like, didn't oh.
2: bother me I'll just say this that I, what I don't know and I'm, this is up for debate the book ending of the essay as mm. a VO mm-hmm. off the top and at the end I feel like you actually didn't eat it off the top
0: great question yep. right I, I, I forgot that there was the VO off the top that basically is the start of the essay and then they finish the essay it's Anthony Michael talking at the, yeah. Hall talking it is. To the yeah. top it is yep. at um, the end they
2: all kind of do but yeah anyway. alright
0: let's do some more good stuff it is intriguing
3: though it is because you're like what, and then at the end you're more like that's why he's VOing off yes. the top yes well, but I, like, I agree it didn't need I it I don't know if you needed it but yeah. it does
1: create something mm. I don't know if I it like. needed it but I do uh, uh, one of the things that I really liked in this movie is that there isn't even though like Bender is the main character there isn't a main character like the fact that that Anthony Michael Hall is the guy doing the voice of a beginning and end like shouldn't that be the main character talking but there isn't one like all five of them are technically like five co-leads with each other and that one of my favorite parts about this movie is that it's sort of like this like like you were saying before like screenwriting like a screenwriting exercise of what if you take like five people who should never Really, be in a room together and stick them in a room together mm-hmm. and force them to sit together. And what does that look like? Mm-hmm. And it's and, and the, the way they interconnect with each other, like this this jock and this nerd and this. And, and what 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 does that look like? What do they say? What would they get up to? And just that as just a, a, as a screenwriting experiment, I thought was fascinating. It's like Twelve Angry Men, but like I wrote five Twelve Angry, angry Men uh, down. Uh, as, as, yeah, as, as something this room, this movie reminded me of.
2: Mm-hmm. Did you guys? Can I ask this question? Did you see yourself in one of the characters more than the others? It's a great question.
1: Oh, yeah. Brian. The, okay. I think Michael Hall, for so sure. So do you think
2: that's why it bothered you so much when you, when you, when you first saw it?
1: What no, I have lots of other reasons, okay. but right. I actually no. He's he's uh, he he's not my favorite character, but he's maybe my second favorite character.
2: Okay.
1: Um, I love that he has in a. I wrote. I love that he's good. That he's in a physics club where they get together and talk about physics, and they go to a banquet hall <laughs> and they put on like. Yes. They yes. put on suits and they. I'm like that sounds like the most. In the movie, it seems like they're making fun of him. I'm like that sounds like the most fun club in the world. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you were in the school band. <laughs> I was in the you school band. That were I did lots of this. stuff like this. Yeah. Oh yeah. But you're
3: also very athletic. So yeah, you, I, I was. Uh, you have a bit of everything. Yeah, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're, uh, you seem like you're a rich boy. So I bet you're, <laughs> <a bit laughs> like
0: a boy. you're absolutely not a rich Claire. boy. You're a bit of Claire. <laughs> a bit of Claire. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, Probably I, more
0: Ali Sheedy than yeah. than Claire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> who, who did who resonated with you? Who did you relate to? Cynthia? I mean, I
2: think I related the most to um, oddly like like Ali Sheedy's character. Sure. I, fe- but I I wasn't like that but I did feel a little bit in certain situations very uncomfortable and awkward and kind of outside of the most popular girls. And yet I did very much identify a lot with Molly Ringwald's character, because of the whole, I mean, one of the conversations they get into a lot is this kind of virgin whore dichotomy, mm-hmm. right? And that, that one of my favorite scenes, to go back to the original question, was when they were sitting around and Ali Sheedy starts talking about the fact that she's fucked her, her therapist. Mm-hmm. And Molly Ringwald is just incredulous and she's like, that's disgusting. And, and like, she's an impomaniac. She's basically saying all this and then basically traps. Um, Molly Ringwald into admitting that she's a virgin and, and the, it was the line that Ally Sheedy says which is something to the effect of like it's kind of a double-edged sword isn't it? What? Well if you say you haven't you're a prude. If you say you have, you're a slut.
3: And you want to do it, but you after you've hit. done it, you wish you hadn't. That's right. Yeah. And it's
2: like, and it's it's a trap. And that was a, and is, I think, still, maybe not as much so today, but certainly when I was growing up, that was a quintessential dilemma that girls had to face. Oh, I'm sure it must still be. Yeah. For sure. And it went, and, and that was so poignant to me. Uh, as it's a, insightful, right? Exactly. Well, and whether
3: you're a virgin is so important in high, school, high school or not. not. Yeah, and then it it's was like, like, yeah, it's,
2: a it's a like, are you or everything? Oh yeah, and it means different things, obviously, for the boys and the girls. There was like, the, they really wanted to know. Brian, like, is implying that he's fucked Claire, yeah. and because he wants to get some cred with Johnny, and it's just this Love kind that of like, scene. yeah. There was a
1: great scene in how awkward he was, and he was like, like that, or it didn't actually make any rational sense for him to do it, but he just does it because oh no, well, it that's made sense. That's yeah. Yeah. sense. so true, but and it, even the way hold he did it after
0: being pressed like two more times, like. Well, why did you gesture towards I friend, mean in Brian? a good way. And I it's mean like, well, I just and then he kind of answers, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like that really rang true from a lot of Very high schoolers. Very true. I don't mid- d- I don't
1: I don't mean irration I mean irrationally the way high schoolers will kind of yeah. do awkward, weird, irrational things yeah. like even though in this moment, he probably should not point at her. There's a few things that 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 Anthony Michael Hall. But you know that. why he pointed at. Of course. Her, right? Oh okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. 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 Yeah, I'm okay. just saying that it was a weird, like it was just a weird thing to do. Just like um, there's a point when they're like all really high together, and he just kind of like slaps at Claire, and she like kind of brushes him away. But it was like yeah. so real. It was such a real like maybe we're like friends now, and she's like, come on, we're not hey, yeah. that close yeah.
2: friends. Did you guys? I, well, I'm curious about your identification points.
0: Um. I well, I mean the Judd, Judd Nelson character. I feel like I'm going to say Judd Apatow a lot during yeah. this podcast We'll talk about.
3: Bender. Bender, you're dressed like Bender thanks for noticing it was on purpose
0: for the listeners at home I'm wearing a jean coat over a flannel with the pop collar uh, Shane's dressed like Claire <laughs> in, a, in, a, in, a, in a lot of and much like Anthony Michael Hall I'm just qu- quietly getting a boner over yeah. here looking at Shane yeah. which was an, an interesting scene that also rang true totally. for High School Mike uh, so I would say that I resonated I mean uh, the characters resonate with me all of them. And I know that's a cop-out. And I think the this day and age more so, I mean, I remember reading a piece like almost eight years ago or a decade ago, and they were talking about um, how younger uh, uh, people, like millennials, there's really sort of a, in the past, it's like you're a jock or you're a nerd or you're like a musician or something. You had your identifying sort of qualities. But then it sort of shifted as time went on, where it's like it actually became a point of pride to being everything. Meaning, if I'm the quarterback, I also write poetry. And people celebrated that instead of being like, you write poetry? Right. I, I kind of try, I operated that way in high school in a lot of ways. But just on sort of its surface, I identified a lot with Bender's anger uh, toward how everybody... Like, someone like Claire could complain about her situation, but she came from, like, a seemingly good socioeconomic situation, whereas Bender's kind of got none of the advantages, you know? And so, like, that manifested in sort of a real anger he had, like a resentment towards them. I found that there was times in high school where you know someone would roll up in a sweet car because their parents owned a dealership or something and i i kind of like i would have that and then i but i was never confrontational in the way that he is and i certainly didn't like to make people uncomfortable the way that he seemed to get yeah a, a rise out of mm-hmm. sort of controlling the situation and making people feel comfortable i'm much more of like a people pleaser but yeah I, I identified a lot with him but i also identified with anthony michael hall's character a lot too mm-hmm. um I, I i didn't really identify with um Um, Emilio Estevez's character at all. But I liked him because I've known jocks like that that were like, actually kind of nice you know like they go to their way to kind of be kind to people Mm -hmm. yeah
2: but there's so he to me was great he played it great too because he was so that quintessentially like he had no he was boring he was such a boring dude who had clearly like it was like oh he was a one trick pony and like even just watching him trying to flirt with claire i was just like oh i remember like that kind of a guy just who had nothing going on hey you're gonna go to the party this weekend it's like so deadly boring he's what you call
3: a basic guy right
0: yeah Yeah. he's a basic dude basic bro Mm
2: -hmm. Oh, I like that he was a
1: wrestler, that he wasn't like, like, uh, like yeah. a football player or, yeah.
2: a, or a basketball he player.
1: He probably
0: something. was, but then when they cast Emilio at 5'5", five, five, they were like, "Yeah, are yeah. wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a varsity athlete. That's right.
2: Yeah.
1: He seemed like a wrestler. I, I, there were guys in my high school that were varsity wrestlers, like yeah. I think more than, than like, I don't think we had a football Well, he team. tried
2: out for the role of Bender, though, yeah. which it yeah? seems like, it, yeah, like uh, impossible to just can't see it at all. Who about you? Who do you?
3: Well, for sure, I was like awkward like Brian Johnson, but i wanted and then i with i didn't have the like school grades or anything to be like him so then i was kind of like a mix a hybrid of between him and bender right because i was bullied so much in elementary school that as a defense mechanism i would try to be funny in high school so i i got kind of like a a sharper wit yeah but then no one was bullying me in high school and everyone was very nice so i didn't really have to like be mean in high school mm-hmm. it was only Uh, When I when I was watching this movie, it was like scaring me for high school. Then I got to high school. Nobody was anything like this movie portrayed people to be. Okay. So and I went to the same high school as Mike, too. So maybe it was just a a thing of Sir Alan McNabb in uh, Hamilton, Ontario. But it's it's funny that now when I watch the movie, I like kind of actually relate more to
1: the vice principal who is. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) Let's
0: unpack that. Who
1: hates this Bender character so much. And I'm like, yeah, no, I get it. This kid's the most annoying kid in the world. (laughs)
2: I found it to be so charming. You
1: thought Bender was charming? I thought he was so charming and so
2: funny and so. Yeah, he could be. He was a bit of an asshole, but I really liked him. I don't know if I
1: related to, like. I think a I, vice principal wanted to beat up a child, but I but well, I got I
0: mean they really laid it on thick. We'll get into the vice principal uh-huh. character in the second half of this <laughs> podcast, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Uh he had some funny mo he had some it wasn't he, I don't think Vernon was bad top. I thought when he was like spilling the coffee and he had some funny moments. I did laugh at the
0: coffee. Yeah. Uh I th- I agree with Cynthia. I think Judd Jed um Nelson, Bender, uh I like that he didn't change his nature throughout, even in that sort of seminal scene at the end when they're all really sort of opening up and confessing and you think, oh, wow, they've really had a breakthrough. They're all really connecting. And then he goes at Claire. I have just as many feelings as you do. And it hurts just as much when somebody steps all over them. God, you're so pathetic. Don't you ever, ever compare yourself to me. okay? Mm -hmm. Like after all that, you know what I mean? And then, you know, Anthony Michael Hall misspeaks about shop and then now he's insulted. And it's like he kind of, it's like they always say, like, it's like you know, you can't change your nature necessarily. Yeah. So it's like you think he's sort of like learning. and He's like, I really do like these people. But it's like you can't really change somebody over the course of an afternoon detention. Uh-huh. But I think that he like displays equal parts, like uh, he's menacing, but he's charming. He remains unpredictable. But it's like, I think that like, they do a really good job of sort of like, you sympathize with him just enough too when he's sort of imitating his home life and all that stuff. Where Well,
3: when the teacher's like threatening him, yeah. that was the great. look on the Bender's sh- face is like, acting. oh,
0: I'm in deep shit now.
3: I thought this was a safe space. Like mm-hmm. I could make fun of this teacher, mm-hmm. but now I'm actually in this crazy trouble where no one's going to believe no me. No one's going to yeah. believe me. And he just was like a, a deer there, like in
0: yep. headlights. You realize he he's like, a kid. He's a high school yeah. kid. Exactly. Again. Yeah. He totally. did a great like job of acting that He
1: felt like a kid. Like he's been this, this guy who's this bloviating kind of guy trying to act like
0: Well, because amongst his matcha. peers, he's like yeah. a king through intimidation. Yeah. But then oh, yeah. once you're like, oh, there's an adult saying so he's going to kick my ass.
2: That was a power. It was, it was like a huge, it was a moment where you had to contemplate. I think all of us did it. It's like, where is power situated? And if you're a piece of shit for the most part like who will they be there to protect you and I mean and both of them had it because you remember then there was that disclosing moment where Vernon the principal is talking to that custodian guy mm-hmm. and he's saying who's good who's, these are the kids who are going to look after me when I'm older and he's like don't count on it yeah, so I there's like this yeah. interesting like reflections <laughs> about like you know yeah True. like eventually they'll hold the power yeah. and then they're not going to be there for me but for while I've got power I'm going to fucking stick it to these fuckers I, it was it, the, the the Bender character to me was played, I think it was essential that it was played by Judd Nelson, I can't imagine Anybody else playing it and that's I think he point. did it so beautifully. And I think he showed enough vulnerability mm-hmm. in those moments. There was another moment, not just with Bender, but when um, Claire and Andrew, so Amelia Westers and Molly Ringwald's characters are kind of talking and they're and and he starts like he wants attention, right? Like, that's what his go-to is. And I think he's maybe peeling the books apart or whatever. And they base that's when they say, You don't even count. You could show yeah. up, you could never yeah. show up to school again, and mm-hmm. no one would even notice you were gone. And he has a moment, there's, again, there's a cutaway shot where he shows he's wounded. But it's a split second, mm-hmm. and then it's gone.
0: Absolutely. Because he brings it up later in the, yes. in the film, that
2: right? That did yeah. feel
3: very early in the film, though, to just break Bender down like that. Well, they I I know, like,
0: whoa. But they've put up with this shit probably for the last four years. Clearly. You know? yeah, like, he's been... He's the he's the big idiot that yeah. like you know yeah. that's I like that I, just, it still felt harsh to sure. me too early it? a little okay. bit too
3: early it was like you don't even count as a human being like right in the first like three minutes I was like wow <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah these yeah they're like psychological terrorists these mm-hmm. kids get raped right to his insecurities actually um the the principal did that at one point too it's like. You're not going to matter. Here's a question, just from right, a character like, standpoint. Like where you're
1: going to be in five years? That, 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 yeah, that yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: But why does Bender even show up for this thing?
1: I wrote that down. Does, I Does he need that to myself. stay in
0: school for some reason? Well, his dad... I, a really good question. Absolutely a bit of a safe place, had I had
3: that question. Right.
1: Yeah. But he's going to be in detention for two straight months, like months of detention every Saturday. At some point, that kid's just not showing up.
2: No, I, I think actually you hit the nail on the head. I think if you've got a home life where your dad's getting drunk and he's potentially burning you with c- cigars, you might want to go in and maybe you're going to get... You're going to get laid. Like, maybe yeah. the yeah. chances if you're are... you're destined to you know, be a
3: loser, that's your time where you're kind of still Shit, cool.
1: he
0: made you're it you're out with the prom queen. You, totally. Yeah. Turned out to be a fruitful Saturday true. for yeah. Bender. Yeah.
3: I guess,
1: like, he starts out mm-hmm. acting like he hates it, but... I buy that. Because, yeah, too. just when
0: he shows up and he immediately starts fucking with people... Mm-hmm. I'm like I knew guys like you in high school and you guys never came to the detention. Mm-hmm. Like you would do something else do you with it. You think every
1: Saturday Bender has a different adventure with four other kids.
0: But are like <laughs> <laughs> they're like it's, it's
3: a the Breakfast series. Club <laughs> First Blood Part
0: 2. <laughs> that would be amazing. Right? Every Saturday with Bender. Yeah.
1: But he starts from scratch and it's always the same and he's uh, acting the exact same way and then he slowly but surely acts more and more vulnerable with everyone. I'm
2: surprised they didn't do that in the 80s. Like <laughs> everything so so at a part so. 3, 4, whatever.
1: Um what else they do we were, like? About they were gonna this? Gonna Make, there was a whole plan to make sequels for this movie, where they were going to make individual sequels with every single one of these characters. But, it, but John Hughes hated uh, J- I keep him, Judd Appetit, hated Nelson. Nelson so much; like he hated working with him. He like despised this guy. Really? That he was. Oh Didn't yeah. He wanted to fire him like a month into shooting because he because because uh, he never stopped acting like Bender. He was like in character all the time so method. even fully mm. method and so he was being this the most I think the most annoying guy in the entire world all the time and Judd Nelson I mean uh, 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 John Hughes hated him and the entire cast like the other four people like begged him to keep the big John Hughes to keep
0: him on but yeah they hated each other well they made the right choice he's probably the, the standout I mean he's very special and we'll get to that in a second was there anything else that we thought like really sort of resonated uh that was good about this film that we want to point out
3: I thought the vice principal was acting amazing. Like, you like you that guy? I thought it was great. Yeah, I, I believe I thought it was hilarious. That. Yeah. yeah. I, believe I feel I, like I knew a guy like that. I like that when he's too, like the t-shirt. vice principal's
1: going through the files and he's like oh no wonder he's so
3: fucked up. Like when he's pulling
1: out. Like yeah. <laughs> um and I also like um overall an overall thing about this movie is that I I I, I think the reason why I think this resonates so much is because when you're a kid, when you're a teenager, A single day can be like the most important day in your Mm -hmm. life. Like everything is so heightened. So a day that a similar day with a bunch of like 30-year-olds where they all kind of get to know each other won't be as meaningful as this sort of day where every moment, like I learned a new thing about this person I had known. This is the most important day of my life.
0: So oh. man, eight hours in a pub now talking with someone goes by in two minutes. Yes, exactly. But eight, eight, hours, eight hours at school would go by like two months. Totally. Everything is so intense yes. when
1: you're like 16. It's so intense, and, and you're so
2: afraid. of really it. like yeah, that kind of feeling. I just go back to it every time I watch this movie. Is that fear of saying the wrong thing, or mm-hmm. the you know the thing that identifies you in a different way, or the thing that makes you seem weird? Like I have a son now, and at six and a half, he he. I've been trying to unpack the word weird, and you know, because he'll say to me, "That's weird," or, and I'll say, "Weird." can be a good thing but I already see the glimpses of him wanting to kind of kind of conform and everybody just wants to feel like they fit in and so I think what this movie does really well is it makes us realize that nobody feels like they fit in and everybody fits in somewhere but everybody also can not fit in in other places but what I really think works is this that the flow of it is not an easy feat to set a movie up in one basically one location with five people it, like the backdrop is relatively the same it's throughout like a the stage whole play. movie it's a stage play and to to pull that off in a movie is. I think that each scene had this kind of ebb and flow and it, and it didn't feel to me contrived there are a few contrived places sure. and we're going to get into those yeah. <laughs> but for the most part a the few. dialogue felt again I think it's a masterpiece in the writing as well some of the lines are a bit cheesy but some of them still hold up I laughed out loud when Bender says I got a question
3: does Barry Manilow know that you raid his
2: wardrobe? Raid his wardrobe. Yeah, absolutely. I was just like, it's brilliant. It's just, it's quick. It's like they rolled off. Um, the, the, they, they seemed genuinely honest and kind of timeless, except for a few points. Yeah. yeah. We'll get
0: to those. Yeah. Well, the
3: <laughs> casting I thought was amazing. And I thought the hardest role to cast was that of Alice.
2: Yes. Because n- typically you'd Alice expect- Alice Sin, right? Yes.
3: I don't know her last Allison. name. Allison. Allison I think her so. last name's not Sin, it's
0: Allison. <laughs>
2: oh oh <laughs>
0: Alice's son.
3: I'm an idiot. <laughs> I just want everyone to know I that. Prefer <laughs> Alice.
0: Allison. I'm not familiar with her last name. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was just joking around. Oh right. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> but because
3: typically in movies, it's you can always o- it's always telegraph that though the freak is really this beautiful woman You're like oh she's gonna be the beautiful woman by the end who's gonna get the makeover so she's all that like rachel lee cook yeah but she did a great job of acting like i legit you didn't find
0: her attractive pre well
3: it's not even that i was like she actually seems like a crazy person who's like ale and looks the part and then when they did her over i was like oh yeah I, i would date her yes it like was it a legit makeover.
2: That's that a real trope in the 80s too, but you're right. <laughs> and I actually think the entire cast, like if you were to cast that today, I'm going to make the argument that, like you look at like the cast of Riverdale, which ironically Molly Ringwald is in. point. Everybody looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Every single person is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Judd Nelson is not a particularly good looking guy. Uh, Anthony he's Michael probably Hall, the best looking person probably, in this film. Well, I think Emilio Weston was at that time really? was seen as wow. a very He has genu- so much like, swagger handsome. he convinces you
3: he's good looking. Jud- Emilio. Yeah. No, oh, J- J- Jud Nelson. Judd
2: Nelson, Judd Nelson Judd might be not ugly. that good looking. Yeah. He's not that good looking. Fascinating. Molly Ringwald is again. I don't think I love the way she looks so much, but it's a very unique look for a leading lady. Yep.
0: As the prom queen. As the
2: prom queen.
0: She would never be cast in that role today. No. Which I think you're
1: but losing in a small something. Small town some in in Illinois, something. like that is obviously that could be you the just prom. Buy
2: queen. Right. And The yep. whole thing, the casting. There's been something lost in our very hyper, like everybody looks a certain perfect kind I of. I agree role, with that. You yeah. know.
0: Yep. That's a great point. Yeah, so the casting's great. I think that uh, you were speaking about the writing, uh, how we can sit for an hour and a half with these people essentially in one set. Um, there's always a good tension. Like, there's the, the, the tension never really ceases in this film. There's a couple breaks um, where it does happen or some some comedic stuff. But there's always a weird sort of like, what are they going to say next to each other? Are they going to sort of be mean to each other? Are they making alliances? What Like, how is this going to go? And sort of until you have this cathartic scene at the very end where they're all kind of connecting and opening up with each other, it kind of goes throughout and sort of keeps you engaged throughout the whole thing.
2: Just one more, a small anecdote. Um, a couple of years ago, I went to the University of Michigan for this sex ed education course. And so I would spend, it was mostly um, like I would commute there and do weekends. And so you had this kind of, I was reminded of this movie because you had this eclectic group of people. They were from across the states and sometimes overseas. Very different personalities. People who were hyper-religious and like Republican. So around the time when Donald, Donald Trump was elected as well, and you're you're talking about very intimate things. It was about sex a lot of times. We're learning about sex, whatever, and we would have these circles where we'd spend hours together. People ended up in tears. People fought. It was it, so. I was just like sitting there sometimes, being like, I'm in the fucking breakfast club. Right. Wow, <laughs> wow, it, that's there, wild. It has some kind of salience. I think that even uh, yes, it's something very salient with teenagers in particular, because we're going through so many life changes at that point. But I think it still resonates when you meet get people together who are eclectic and you force them to try to connect I think to your point at the beginning mm-hmm. like amazing things can happen and I'll so never I mean, talk to them kinetic. again though afterwards yeah.
0: that's fascinating, <laughs> you just walk away so whether it's like, you know, the reason that I think it's so super charged with teenagers is because it's the first time they're going through these things, they're sort of learning how to be adults and deal with their feelings and even talk with them and then we seem to think as we get older we get better at that, but in some ways maybe like the jello sets and we become worse at it yeah. so it's like, to your sort of point about being in that situation, it's sort of it's the same thing.
2: I think it's the same thing.
0: Hmm. Um, will do you, best character? We'll do best character. I just want to say one thing. You guys sure. about the principal. Uh, okay. Some of the moments. One of his funniest lines to me when he was going at Jed Nelson. I'm going to knock your dick in the dirt? No. <laughs>
1: that's the last time you ever make me look bad in front of those kids. Do you hear me? I make $31,000 a year and I've got a home and I'm not about
3: to throw it away on some punk like you.
0: And I'm not going <laughs> to throw it away on you. I have that written, written down. Me and my wife mind. like exploded But is that
3: only on funny me. because now that's not, not a lot of money?
0: No. It, it's funny to me that like... <laughs> His situation is like this. Is my shit? I don't think it was that much money in the '80s, to be honest. Oh, you know? oh, I, got, yeah, I wrote
1: down it. To, I had actually that line in the bad one because I'm like, that doesn't hold up at all. That being 30, making thirty-one thousand dollars a year and owning a house is not something that holds up in 2019.
2: I think that that's a starter wage yeah. for some teachers today. I mean, but to own a house, there, I'm
0: just saying that like it was the own a house, yeah, the own true, a house no. part that made me yeah. Yeah. yeah, but but I'm just saying it's like I he's worked hard I to get to this point, and I think I he takes a lot of pride in it. But there's something so funny about a grown man sharing that with a kid who is trying to dress a down. Very like, good. Point. Don't yeah, fuck yeah. up my that situation. Funny, it yeah. just reminded me a lot of that Will Ferrell sketch. Like, I drive a Dodge. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I of a Dodge. It's just yeah. like, are, are you lifting off your stats? Like, is this supposed to say something? That's about That's a good your character. Point. Yeah, yeah. That is funny. Totally. It's like, what does it say about your character? Anyway, I thought yes. that line was fucking hilarious. Um, okay, let's do best character. Well, th- just. Uh, oh, sorry. That line
3: also triggered that he doesn't give a shit about the the parent or, or the teacher student relationship. No, he's willing to break that boundary, and it doesn't matter because Bender's pushed him to that limit.
0: Exactly. So, mm-hmm. like to John's point earlier, maybe. Maybe Bender, after four years of doing this, though, doesn't deserve the benefit of like a, a proper teacher-student relationship, mm-hmm. or not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. How do we deal with p- problems? And Bender's people? not really
3: a student at that point, so he's not going to treat him as such, like all the other teachers yeah. probably mm-hmm. do. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, okay. So let's do. Uh, we'll do best scene and then best, best performance. Okay. What was everybody's definitive best scene best of this scene. film? I think
2: somebody else go. You, uh, you want one of us to go first? I do. I do. Okay.
0: Oh, yeah. from okay. Do you
1: want me to go? Yes. Okay. Best. Okay. I don't know. Best scene for me. I had this like. Was when they were all admitting that they're not gonna be friends come Monday. Mm-hmm. I like love that. I feel like that scene right there was like, this, this is where the potential for this movie to be like an all time all- time classic was right there, where it was like these kids like really actually being honest about like about admitting that these structures that we have created these structures, and they're all false structures, but we all kind of have to live within them anyways because it's the only way that this whole thing works. And it's, mm-hmm. it's like the most like grown up thing. I feel like they've, and the, they know it's grown up and they know there's no way they're going to be able to, to go back, like, like they have to go back to the way things were
0: before and they know it and they admit it and it's sort of crushing. Yes. And yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, what I liked about it is it's like, that's a conversation that usually doesn't happen because those are things better left unsaid. Let's preserve the sort of sanctity of this moment. But the Anthony Michael Hall character probably really wanted to be like, I want to say hi to you guys in the hall on Mondays. Like, Mm -hmm. I I need Mm -hmm. something more than what I've got, you know. And uh, there was just something really sort of like um, charmingly needy about it. And then I love that um the molly ringwald character was very honest about it i love that you know because she had sort of a sober view of what it's going to be like and we can talk about what happens after these credits roll but i imagine it's maybe after a couple of days of her and Bender talking to each other it will probably reset back to whatever it is
2: 100% i i, I do think that that's probably my favorite scene as well because it was so poignant in the honesty and then also because Judd Nelson's character came out so hard and he was just like you're a bitch you're yep. a bitch for saying that but then she fucking nailed him she's like you know damn well that if i showed up with your burnout friends 100%. you would either say ignore mm-hmm. me or you would say you were fucking me in order to get cred with them right. and so and then like, he and,
1: immediately is like yeah and then he ba- he doesn't he doesn't say you're right but he basically says yeah, yeah you're right yeah, yeah. Yeah. And
2: I mean, it's true, like they all were were kind of complicit. Like Brian was the only one mm-hmm. who really would have accepted everyone. And then Claire nailed it. She's like, because, you know, you're, you're I mean, she did seem really arrogant in that moment. It was very presumptuous. But she's an arrogant person yes. and she knows
1: and she's like, I'm not, just because we talked for what six hours doesn't mean to have
0: changed fundamentally. Her telling Ali Sheedy, it's like, it's because you got, it's your friends look up to us. Yeah. yeah I think Ooh. that was
2: inaccurate a little, like, I think that was arrogant and I think I love that Brian called her out on it because I don't think that necessarily, if you think of Allison's Ali Sons <laughs> yeah. character. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I think she represents this sort of... Um what she encapsulates a bunch of different kind of archetypes like the goth girl the like the, the kind of like um she could be on the on the spectrum like I, I also think of some of these characters now as like more of an umbrella who they who they kind mm-hmm. of are and i don't know i think that she wouldn't necessarily be wanting to be with the rich kids at all um but i don't think that they, i think that maybe what's baked into the brian archetype and the allison archetype is a little bit more of human just sort of like yeah, you're cool, whatever, if you want to be, whatever you want to talk about. There's this, cool. more people mm-hmm. somewhere in the
0: middle than extreme, yes. like, we won't accept you into our group, or yes. like, I don't want to join your group. Everyone's kind of like, yeah, they're fine.
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
3: Uh, yeah, my favorite scene might really be the scene you guys talked about, but I'm, the one I had written down was the scene between Anthony Michael Hall and uh, Bender, where they're talking about shop, mm. and where. are uh, mm. Bender's like, you must be a fucking idiot. Yeah. And he's like, I'm an idiot because I can't make a lamp. And he's like, no, you're a genius because you can't make a lamp. And then he's like... What do you know about trigonometry? I could care less about trigonometry. Bender, did you know without trigonometry, there'd be no engineering? Without lamps, there'd be no light. Okay. There'd be no light. And it's, it's just showing that you cannot be good at the classic things in school, but you can be good at this other thing that some nerd can't even figure totally. out. And I just like that the...
2: Very insightful. Things shifted yes. at that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I think that whole scene where they're sitting there, whether it's Emilio Estevez admitting to uh, taping Larry Lester's buns, uh, his hairy buns, uh, which was really sort of like starts out in a kind of weird way. And then it gets very confessional and sort of you, you, he sort of uh, emotes this heavy guilt that he has for picking on this kid to sort of weirdly uh, appeal to his father um, and then obviously the conversations when Anthony Michael Hall talks about bringing the gun to, to school like everything was so confessional and, and they were connecting but then it also was it was messy because Judd Nelson would go back at them also I thought that it being a, a flare gun was a really funny tension <laughs> breaker as a punchline I forgot about that but how loaded is that scene now in 2019
1: like, I, I was thinking like, oh my the God. same when he talks about thing gun to I was like this kid's
0: getting a yeah. one day of the 10 for bringing a gun to school and when they admit it's a flare gun I'm like oh it's or just good. where your mind goes yeah, yeah of course My mind to
2: shoot him exactly it's same like, thing
0: it's like okay so he's a kid that feels disconnected from him is he bringing the gun to hurt other people or oh is it's a, to a to great point because I only read thing. it so as hurting, hurting people
1: now. I only read it as I'm going to the, because of the... the I 18? always
3: thought just because of his character that he had built up that he was going to kill himself. That's, at some which yeah, I guess yeah. I I guess it's the intended.
1: point mm-hmm. yeah. it I but, the you point, read but it I read it immediately as months. he's so he going gonna... to get go nuts and just shoot a bunch of people because yeah, he's just so I think so that so that
2: probably says something about the era that you watched it that's in. That's totally I, how I saw it. suicidal because back in the day like in the 90s no I mean before the Columbine. No one was fucking doing that.
0: Who would ever think that yeah. in a million years yeah. that someone would show up wow. and hurt other people? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so we all agree that's probably the best scene, that sort yeah. of, uh, different elements of that scene, but that's all one Elements of scene. them, yeah,
1: mm-hmm. when they're sitting in. They, and there's, yeah. they
0: keep going to that one framing too, sort of the wide shot where it's, it's Judd Nelson on the right, uh, Molly Ringwald on the left, and then the three of them, Ali Sheedy, mm-hmm. uh, Emilio Estevez, and Michael, Anthony like, pr- it's like, And then the library's in the background, and yeah. they're kind of like, it's been it's near the end of the long day. Um, who was the best performance? Do you want me to start? Go yeah, to sure. Uh, I, I, I think that the, the I always talk about sort of like level of difficulty, meaning if you have like sort of a lot of lines or you have to sort of like span a larger spectrum of emotions in your performance, um, I think Judd Nelson did that. I think Oof. I think a lot of people are re, and eh, we'll get to you, uh, a lot of people, I think it's, I don't, I mean, I don't know, I'm not an actor, but I think sometimes it's maybe easier to react to somebody if you're not the person that's sort of doing the acting, like it's like he's pushing the narrative all. He's pushing the tension. He's sort of the he's sort of the catalyst for everything that they're all reacting to, and that can go a lot of bad ways. So yeah, sometimes he gets like really big or like all right dad or hey son when he's imitating Anthony Michael Hall's family. But I th- I think that the level of difficulty there is a lot harder than like what Emilio Estevez or Anthony Michael Hall are doing. So, so for that reason, I think he's sort of like the uh, the the sort of the the, the thing in the movie that I tend to be drawn to the most. And I think it's the hardest performance in the film just because he has probably the most to do consistently.
1: I'll give him that I liked the dunk and I watched that dunk <laughs> <laughs> several times because I was trying to figure out whether or not it was a regulation net or not because no way it was, it was no there's no way was yeah. but <laughs> I thought the same thing because right. I had to the check side like, nets are never regulation; they're always eight Yeah, 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 yeah. I had to because did he really go up and really yeah. dunk that because maybe I got this character all wrong if he really could dunk the ball
0: I think <laughs> he, I do think he's tall but it's always he hard is. to tell when he's standing next yeah, to him yeah, really yeah. West of it. so tall yeah. so sweet
3: but are you suggesting that he was not the best performer? I oh, think by that's far the worst. <gasps> Whoa, what? that's extreme. That's... We'll talk. Maybe we'll talk in the second okay, half. Okay. Okay. We'll but go to Shane and then was, Cynthia. Well, I would think everyone's debating between Anthony Michael Hall or uh, Bender. Yep. No. And
0: Judd Nelson.
3: Okay, I, that's what I was assuming, and I'm wrong. Okay. But I, and then ultimately you choose Bender, because like you you were saying, he no one else could have really Ooh, done this, and even if they could, you can't imagine them no. doing. Oh, when
0: she when doing Cynthia doing said that, I was like, fuck, I can't think of another actor that could Not do that a role. Single
1: one. And that's usually.
3: Uh, what I hold what up if you an actor and to?
1: this is that John Cusack was cast as Bender right up until like a, <laughs> like a few weeks before filming? <laughs> I tried to kind of see it, same. but I couldn't. No, no, I can't. I couldn't. Yeah, no, I don't think I yeah. could see it either. He's but never, he was uh,
2: John Cusack. God bless. He's never really. He doesn't have a big range. No. Like let's no. be honest, he's always kind of playing a little bit of John Cusack. Yeah. And I think Jed Nelson, while his career, I haven't really followed it to be honest. I watched *St. almost Fire*. He plays a totally different character in he *St. Elmo's went the same Fire*. Same year, right? Uh, I think it did come out yeah, around yeah, yeah. the same yeah. year. But he played a lawyer. You know, like he was a real asshole of a different sort I think he's got range and I think this character was meant for him and Mm -hmm. and it tapped into some kind of truth maybe or it seemed like it did
0: yeah is it, who do you got as your fave performance? I mean, performance. yeah, for sure.
2: But in order to be different, I think what what I, my hat kind of goes off to um, Ali Sheedy just for the sense that she didn't even have a line for, I think for the first like 30 minutes of it. Yeah. She just squeaked. Yeah, Or she said, ha! That was yeah. also a very, the first well, thing she ever says was ha. Yeah. And it was so good because it was just like, it was again speaking to Claire's entitlement. She <laughs> I was love fe- that part. Right? Oh my
3: God. And, and then she goes, shut up. Yeah. Totally.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. But she, I think, had depths and volume without a ton of dialogue. Oh, yeah. And when she did come out, like that part, I, I, I actually reference it in my book because I, I tend to carry around my life wow. in my purse and that I, like, I've like i had to like realize what that oh, yeah, symbolizes. Yeah. When you carry around a lot of shit in your purse, you're probably carrying a lot of weight in your life as well. Mm. And I reference the fact that Ali Sheedy, like when you p- open up your bag, you can realize that you're, like, what does it mean? What does it say about you? And that scene, you know, that she indicates that she's maybe on the run, that she doesn't... Um, she might have to go at any given point in time and then Emilio Estevez and her or Andrew and her go off to the side and it's it's small but he's like what you know? What do they do to you? What do your, what do your parents do to you? And I remember the first time I ever saw this I was like what's she gonna say? Yeah. <laughs> what's she gonna say? And what she says is so quiet they ignore me.
1: Yeah. yeah. And it, Amazing. but it
2: sits with you and uh-huh. you're just like and then you reference back to the beginning of scene and her parents she kinda like leans in to say bye to them and they just took off. And you're like, maybe is that the worst? You have parents who can beat you, mm-hmm. which is the John Bender case. You have parents like Ali Sheedy who's who are like, you know, expecting her to be at another they're using her as a pawn. Andrew's dad expects him to be exactly like him. Brian's parents want him to be successful. But if they just fucking Don't ignore care. you, yeah. it's almost it was worse. quite poignant. In- yeah. well, and
3: you're expecting a bomb to be dropped. Yes. So it's like the antithesis of that, but it weighs heavier because of that. Yeah.
1: Just like yeah. you're expecting when everyone's talking about why they're there for detention, you're expecting, oh, she must have done something like fucked up. Right? <laughs> no, she's crazy. That. And why is it? Because I have nothing else to do today. I will so say tragic. again, I
0: hadn't seen that movie in years, and some stuff stuck out. Like you know, there's like famous sayings like that I've still here to this day. Like the hot, uh, if you mess with the bull, you're gonna get the horns. Hot beef yeah. injection. <laughs> Eat my shorts, pre-Simpsons. Like nice. there's there's just so many lines that kind of stuck. Okay, in you know, word. okay, the bull. If you mess with the bull, you're gonna yeah. get the horns. Is that the only reason he gave him uh, this? The, the symbol.
3: Yeah, because he wanted him for two months. Yeah. I I think it was like yeah. kind of an
0: intimidation thing. Because
3: like because like, he kept doing it. Yeah.
0: Those are the horns, man. But You're
3: that's why eye. he gave him two months, right? how I just so we could do the horn.
0: Yeah. Probably. Okay. okay. Um, the alishidi uh, line um, when they, she's like, "You guys know why I'm here." It's like she's like, "Cause I had was I had nothing else to do." Mm-hmm. I I remembered that. I when yep. it got to that point, a bunch of stuff I didn't remember from the film. I was like, I remember her character was there voluntarily. Like mm-hmm. that, that resonated with me when I was a kid because I was like, "Huh." It's like, what does that say about her? Like, I remember thinking it was kind of sad, but then also kind of weirdly cool and independent in a weird way. <laughs> it's like, fuck it, you gotta do something on a Saturday. Yeah,
1: I thought I thought Ali Sheedy was the best performance. Like oh. by far. Mm-hmm. Allison best character by far. Like I thought like she was the one where when you're talking about in retrospect, like you never see characters like this in a movie. She is a character that you do not see in a movie about high school kids. Mm. Where like this like this weird she like she's somehow like a cartoon character but also the most real because she's making these strange choices like the like the weird sandwich and the dandruff and the And the thing and where they're running around the hallway I fucking
0: hated her making her lunch that to this it still grosses (laughs) me out so gross I have to look away
2: but that's a great scene by the way as a side note that again like the opening scene tells you so much I don't think I'd ever heard of sushi I'm gonna be honest I grew up in a smaller town I I remember watching that scene and thinking what the fuck is she (laughs) eating too she had the little and watching it again I'm just like it's so elegant I love sushi but at the time I was like what the hell is that and Judd, Judd Nelson's reaction to that but then every single lunch spoke so yeah. much to who they Judd were didn't
1: have a lunch he didn't and Amelia, lunch. who was just eating like
2: everything <laughs> <three> sandwiches <laughs> to carb load yeah, yeah, yeah but you're good. right but yeah. yeah
1: but thought so yeah, she, she, she was fantastic the way that they're running through the hall and she's like running but she's like faking it kind of like she's the one like laughing at all their antics because she's like because she could have just walked out of here at any point and she's just sort of the only one voluntarily being a part of this anyways i thought she was fantastic
0: yeah didn't you hang out with Alice she once well,
3: it was a Tiff party, yeah, and she was a little uh, lit. I guess I'll say she was kind of dancing with me, <laughs> and at one point I was like, "Am I gonna make out with She It just felt very surreal. That would have been a good story. Yeah, I know, I, but I was like so scared of it because I felt like I honestly could have. It was a very weird time. This is like 15 years ago, maybe. This is interesting because
2: yeah. I also I was on a film with Emilio Estevez. <laughs> really? Yeah. So Ooh. he shot a movie in Toronto with his brother. Charlie Sheen, as you know, yeah, um, and it was about these two, um, it was based on the real life story of these two pornographers who were big in the 1970s oh, yeah, called the Mitchell brothers. Yeah. And uh, one of them ended up going deep into drugs, who was a Charlie Sheen character, played that, and um, the other one ended up shooting him and, in real life. Like the, the brother true shot story. the brother. Yes. Oh, wow. And so the two of them played it and Emilio Estevez actually directed it. And so I, I played I, in this scene, it was supposed to be set in Haight-Ashbury in the mm-hmm. 60s. Um, and I played <laughs> this, I actually had a character description, which was like, I was, I just come back from like Marrakesh and I was like, cause you know, hanging out, whatever I was in belly dance costume. Cause I used to belly dance and, uh, and anyway, so he and I got to talking after the, the movie was done and, um, and yeah, and then just through a strange course of events, like my email got passed or something like that. So we, we actually carried on like a, lo- a number of conversations for a number of months, um. Yeah, anyway, that's all I'll say. (laughs) Did you talk to him about breakfast club? That's what I was just about (laughs) to ask. So you dated Emilio. I didn't really date him. I didn't really date (laughs) him. I didn't really date him. There was like, we definitely had a flirtation thing going on. This is for another, I feel like, conversation. But but we never really talked about it. I I, I do recall vaguely that he did talk about the antics, but I can't remember if I've read this now. Uh. And I'm just, because this is like a long time ago now. But I do, I feel like I remember him talking about, the way in which Judd Nelson was off screen and uh-huh. that he was in a positive way, but just that they became really bonded and that mm-hmm. they'd spent like, they, they spent so much time together in the hotels and he was up to shenanigans. Judd Nelson, a lot of times like doing like playing pranks on everybody. Ah. Yeah. Anyway, guys, this is so
1: weird. One time I made out with Anthony Michael Hall. Which is totally
2: <laughs> <odd to> this. <laughs> this is funny.
0: Man. Wow. I like this. We're getting deep on this podcast. We're getting good behind the scenes stories. Uh, all right, let's move to uh, yeah the more negative uh, portion of our podcast reasons to knock it off the pedestal. What has aged badly? What was bad even then? What are its
1: flaws? Okay. So the first thing I wrote down was, because we've been doing a bunch of these now, so we're like 20 some odd in. Um, that quote at the beginning where it's the David Bowie quote, yep. and then there was the shattering glass effect. I yeah, wrote sure. that Shane is now so out on this movie that there's absolutely no recovering. When you, you must have... Hated that the fact that you mentioned it earlier.
3: Well, it's just it's not cool now. It's for, it certainly hasn't aged well. Like uh-huh. If you were to make a movie nowadays, you wouldn't say, "Could we have that glass shattering effect done very poorly to start the movie?"
0: I like I like the idea of someone in 1985 seeing Back to the Future and be like, "But have you seen the opening of Breakfast Club?" <laughs> <laughs> if you want to talk about special effects, <laughs> brah.
2: When you're talking about uh, the glass shattering, I was also thinking about the other shitty part, which was when they did that stupid uh-huh. dance Nealio sequence and yelling. And be, yes, which I also I thought, I which
3: I also like, like, thought was shitty that was shit. so it's John Hughes he did the Ferris Peelers day off so sometimes weird stuff happens
2: I think They're it's just, National Lampoon it I, it, I think it's from that it didn't fit in the movie because right. you've got this whole reality Everyone thinks it's so real oh and then you've got God. this fucking dance sequence
1: and yeah. the dance sequence like was like stupid choreographed like they're doing choreographed yeah. dance. that's the, that's the later one it.
0: come on the first one is the stone scene right where, where they're running where around he's around yeah. visit, running around and doing circles okay, and he's doing his
1: James thing Did he
3: smoke weed or meth <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, so that's not everyone else was acting high on weed and he's uh,
1: you're, so fucking, right.
0: you're so, <laughs> so fucking right you're so fucking right someone gave him coke is what they did yeah then he
3: it had literally, to have been
0: like it's no acts like that
1: well it was like it's it's such a movie thing where he like first of all he like hot boxes an entire room. So he has got to be like first of all fucked out of his mind. And then like 10 minutes later he's just totally fine. Yeah. Like that's ridiculous. Like he yep. must
3: like if you're smoking that much where you are literally hotboxing an entire room and then losing your mind is the presumption that's the first time he's ever smoked weed and he's just having a very adverse reaction to it. Is that the idea?
2: <laughs> I I think that basically like the lunches and like the driving scenes, you were trying to make it like how would these guys experience this? And I think they just missed the mark. They're okay. thinking he's a jock. He's not going to be like you. You've, you've forgotten the way that pot works. Like no one acts like this. Like they yeah. they they totally fail. It was a fail.
0: Speaking of the way things age as well, it's like so because Bender has pot. He's a burnout. It's like it's like it's almost so foreign that Bender does pot because none of these cool kids would actually do it. I think as time went on pot became such a sort of non sort of uh, heavy th- it's yeah. not like something just for the skids and the burnouts it's like of course the popular kids are going to smoke a little yep. like like I feel like Emilio and Molly Ringwald's reaction like okay burnout like what is that weed yeah. <sighs> mm-hmm. like by the time you get like even like less than a decade later everyone in high school is like yeah everybody sort of indulges a little yeah. bit yeah. and now of course many years later it's, it's legalized mm-hmm. but it is funny to see the reaction from the popular kids but totally. in like-
3: Clueless they kind of defined it it was like Alicia Silverstone was like I smoke it at parties on weekends but you're a burnout if you smoke it all the time you're so right
0: True. Yeah. a decade yes. later yeah. it took yeah. a decade of progress for yeah. clueless to come out and change the way people but thought but then they about
3: it. showed like molly ringwald was willing to smoke and she's like mm-hmm. she'll do it at a party but she's not a definition of a
0: burnout she embodied what Cher was describing a decade later yeah yeah, yeah
2: exactly because Cher
0: is really just claire but yeah 10 years later
2: yeah <laughs> well no, <laughs> maybe claire's a little more self- self-reflective yeah. Yeah. this yeah. movie
1: is, is like that in particular sometimes it's john hughes does this in a lot of his movies where it's Very suburban. Like, the reason in Clueless they talk like that, I don't know if like 1985 weed wasn't like, I think in 1965 weed was somewhat pervasive in in high schools. I think just in little small towns in Illinois, someone pulls out a bag of weed and everyone's like clutching at their pearls. And I think John Hughes does that. There is a very, very suburban point in all of his movies, Mm -hmm. which is, I don't know, it ages strangely. I
2: mean, and and by the same point, like, I do think it's always funny. Now I see things through the lens of two of like, like, this seems so white like to watch this movie it's so like i mean it's amazing how for how many years it's got away with just having these stories where you you deal with a group of high school and no diversity but i mean i think it's interesting I think that people still found themselves in it despite that because it was so much about outsiderness and because you, you the, the archetypes do transcend that but to me that was a fail. I also think the language again like the, it's so jarring to hear like faggot yeah. and like, you know, what yep. he calls, um,
0: so jarring that I, even nut. in this podcast quoting yeah, like, the film, what? I wouldn't use the word.
2: Yeah, right? The the brown, whatever it was. Yeah, a brownie br- hound. Yes. Br- I was like, what is that? And I just know that's, that's a totally derogatory statement and I feel yeah. like that has right. to do with that.
3: Um, it's, a, it's assuming he's chasing anal sex yeah right? exactly
2: yeah. and I mean and the, and the biggest thing too for me that was problematic <laughs> it's so yeah. it just so <laughs> funny yeah. We're not laughing it so academic so <laughs> <dumb it. laughs> <laughs> well the thing with
0: being a brownie hound
2: means that you prefer a little
0: button behind your gender. she's like, <laughs> she scared like oh, I'll, I'll take rest. this one
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll take this guys I think also through the lens of like Molly Ringwald actually wrote this really interesting yep. piece in the New Yorker about watching this movie with her 10 year old daughter in the age of Me Too and the sequence of mm. course that we can all remember of Judd Nelson, uh, Bender, going under the the, uh, the desk and that he's looking at her underpants. Wild, yeah. Well, first of all, he says, like, hey, let's just lock all the doors and get the prom queen impregnated. That's mm-hmm. one thing, like implying a gang rape. Yep. And then there was that one scene. And it's it's clear, like, she he does all these horrible things. He puts her on the spot. He makes her feel like shit about herself. He insults her and he still gets her in the end. Yeah. And I think that messaging was pretty... It's the way I was raised in many ways. It was it was you were attracted to the bad boy, in
1: that scares me about because I have a daughter and now this movie I actually wrote that down. That scares the shit out of me.
2: It (laughs) should. I I hope things are changing (laughs) Uh a little bit. But that was kind of the because of movies in part. I'm not sure which came first, chicken or the egg. But I do know that most of the girls that I knew during a certain era were attracted to. Guys like Bender, because they were charming, they were funny, they were a little bit bad, and you thought you could change them. And mm-hmm. because they negged you, it's that kind of like pickup artistry yeah. kind of thing. They would make you feel like shit, and so you, then you try to like make them like you. And it, it's a really, um, it's a really interesting thing to see in light of all the conversations we're having around Me Too, because it's it's a terrible message for young girls yeah. to get. It, it's
1: a, it's a thing that I've noticed that, that I, I kind of bounced off a lot of the early John Hughes teenager movies. Um, because, a lot, not even his teenager movies, and a lot of John Hughes's movies, like a lot of the themes are, shitty dudes are, a lot of their, the way they treat women gets excused because of how they were treated. So it shows up in like 16 Candles, it shows up in like weird science that seems to be the plot of the movie. But mm. if you're like a, if you have been mistreated in your life, that gives you license to treat women like shit. And that seems to show up a lot and feels like that's a huge part of this movie.
0: Do you think that so when John Hughes is writing this, do you think that it's a mirror, or do you think that it's driving the way people see these things? So, for instance, it's like a mirror for him, for sure, right, right, or maybe the way he saw things in high school. Why? He, he's why talked about that? Yeah, yeah. So why do? Why does the, whatever the, the the prom queen always go for the dangerous guy when he's clearly an asshole or a piece of shit? Like he's not going to treat right. you well. It's why. Where does nice guys finish last come from? Mm-hmm. Essentially, right. Mm-hmm. And it's this sort of weird paradigm where, you know assuming prom queen would be attracted to someone like Bender, but we've seen it throughout history. And now, to Cynthia's question, is this something that we've learned from movies? Is this learned behavior because it's something in pop culture? Or is it something inherent to the human experience and sort of the way that... Uh, men sort of have controlled the conversation or sort of like there's this kind of inherent thing where women wanted to appease men in middle school high school the way that like girls would be like oh like does he like me does, and they, you know they'd go after the guy that they really want or whatever and the guy would have to be indifferent or else yep. it would seem weird if anyway they so, showed vulnerability exactly. I, think,
2: I think it's both like I think, it, I think he definitely wrote it as a mirror of his own life I think he wrote it as a mirror of the times and I think it also informed how we interact and there may be an element of some kind of like inherent I mean I don't know how you can separate culture from like inherent Nature though, so the yeah. conversation is kind of not even worth having. But I think I think that you couldn't make a movie like this today without getting called. I think young people today are actually whether or not they may still be sometimes attracted to the bad boy that they might be able to fix. Sure, maybe, um, but I definitely think there's more of a kind of sense of like you know what if somebody comes along this way and is t- treating me like this I'm not going to like there's a lot more women they can saying,
0: recognize like, the toxicity well, yes. person now and, and you they're recognize more savvy. the fast
2: forward and I know we're going to get there but like what would happen after the, like if they if John Hughes got his wish and you did follow up with these characters afterwards I'm gonna like. I mean that movie of like a Molly Ringwald with him in any like I think he would beat the shit out of her hmm. I think he would I think this is like a, a portrait of domestic abuse and as much as I have felt bad for him I think he's he's going to repeat his father's mistakes probably and, and whomever it is, if it's the Claire character, whomever he ends up with, it's going to be a nasty situation. Terrible relationship. Terrible. Yeah.
0: Which Terrible. sort of gets to... He's a hard stay away.
1: Which yes. sort of gets to... Yes. to yes. Like, like, what, like, the, the, I mean, the problem, the problem here is, is that Bender is presented as the hero of the movie. And you're I talking about so it that way. Yeah, that is and interesting. And I, when I'm watching it, I can't get over that I think Bender is just a piece of shit. Yeah. Like I can't, like there's no way, like you're, I hear you. You're all, all, all three of you are saying how much like Bender, he's charismatic, he's nice. It's like, well, I think there's a lot of pieces of shit who are charismatic. But nice. there's lots but of I movies that feature,
2: feature complicated anti-heroes. Sure. And I think he is an anti-hero. I think you get what, what's meaningful is that you get this sense of like how he became the way he sure. is and just, how he's managed to be like use charm as an asset. He,
1: he seems so irredeemably awful to me that I I can't what what did he do that was so irredeemable so all this the way he's he like there's the there's, there's the panty scene but he's like basically sexually harassing Molly Ringwald like the whole movie. Yes. He's antagonizing all of them. The way, the, the way, the, just even the way he's the, like, Shane, your favorite scene where he's talking to, to Anthony Michael Hall, like that, the, if someone like talked to me that way, that is a form of bullying. Like he's bullying this kid. He's being like a really,
3: like well, I, Anthony Michael Hall was condescending. to. Of him. course. I don't yeah. think they're all great people, but I think that Bender, in, you can be a great <clears throat> person and make mistakes though. And sure. Be fallible. I right just
1: now. felt like Ben, like constantly Ben like, and also he was just so annoying. You just so like every like, I'm like if I like, I kind of knew kids like this in high school, and they were just the most I feel annoying like this people. this is triggering right? for you. <laughs> yeah, I I feeling like is story.
2: I feel very, like very there's some things. I'm like, there. oh
1: man, like when I because I read when I read the thing that he stayed in character and John Hughes like hated him and wanted to fire him. Like obviously, because if you had to be near this person for five minutes, I. would I can't see how this guy's the hero of the movie. But you don't like the hurt people, hurt
3: people defense. Like, you're you're just like, you ah. change the course of your life. Yeah. Don't, don't. Correct.
1: Be, I, make I, I, not, to,
0: not to say that it excuses it, but just be like. Yeah. I would say this. So, a couple, just, I mean, and this is obviously a larger conversation or a thought experiment, but it's like the Bender character's probably, what, 17? Something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I absolutely knew dudes like that in high school that were like, that you feel uncomfortable around and all, and you're like, oh, fuck. The, the minute they come in, if like the eye of Sauron goes toward you, you're like, oh, shit. Okay. How am I going to this? I'm going to have to have a deflect joke or I'm going to have to act like it doesn't bother me Yeah, like like when he takes Anthony Michael Hall's lunch I'm like I've been in that situation Oof. so you go yeah. if you're Anthony Michael Hall do you go give it like do you, is that your moment to make a stand or do you have to be like ha, okay I'm just going to let this keep going you know mm-hmm. that being said he's 17 I know guys that were like that and then I run into them later like 24 25 they're now working they're kind of like yeah I was a p- piece of shit I like I used to get something out of like making people feel like that and now some of them grew up to absolutely keep doing that to their partners or their children or whatever but I think it can be a phase for some people. So I I don't know. I'm not defending the character and maybe he would be terrible to Molly Well, the
2: hope is, I mean, the thing is that I I have to resist because I know, like, whatever, people are listening. I don't know who's listening. I, I would hate to think that some teenager is looking at it the way that I was, which is that like, oh, He's so hot at the end, and he she's probably he she's pr- managed to like change him. It's mm-hmm. gonna be a different guy now. He's right. gonna think more. I think that's the trap. And whether or not that ends up being true, more often than not, it it's a hard cycle to break. And yes, people can break their cycles, but if you're in a situation of what seems like he's got a comb- like a trifecta mm-hmm. of problems, like an abusive family, um, you know, uh, possibly poverty. Like he's like he's got this thing. It's gonna be hard mm-hmm. to transcend if you look at it pragmatically. But he actually he
3: showed empathy too. It's a- Certain points, like he signaled a little bit. He's like, "That's a shitty thing to do with somebody when somebody was uh, not going to acknowledge mm-hmm. Anthony Michael Hall." And I got the impression—I could be way off base—that if even before this detention day had taken place, and he had seen someone physically attacking Anthony Michael Hall or bullying him, he would be the type of guy to step in and protect the person being bullied. I think he likes the underdog. Yeah.
2: What? He'd also be the type of guy who's constantly in it. Like a, again, any girl we can relate to this who's constantly trying to push push the envelope push mm-hmm. you know just push it get get a little bit further get a little bit further but i feel like more. it's all yeah.
3: under the guise of comedic naughtiness that was maybe more accepted and less predatory than it is now i
2: hear you i wonder i like i feel like he that character i like, i i was triggered too because i felt like i recognized that kind oh, of oh it approach. does
3: not age well at all yeah. but in that time it was the the threat because it was an unknown threat that wasn't as Right, that it wasn't as dangerous. Because now if someone does that, you know full well they know it's a known threat and they're willing to break the rules of society. Totally. It wasn't a rule back then, so it didn't feel as dangerous. Well,
2: I think it was always a bit of a rule. It's just that mm-hmm. I just not think no one was talking about it. But I mean
3: like it, American Pie, when you watch the scene when Nadia is being filmed without her consent right. and Jason Biggs is dancing, mm-hmm. that's done completely for laughs, right? And we 100%. don't even think about it. Nowadays, right. that would be a total like... The joke wouldn't be that uh, uh, Jason Biggs uh, came too early. It would be, how could you tape this woman? Like, we're going to the Truth. police. You, you just ruined, ruined her life in that movie. Yes. Exactly. So I just think at that time period, I can look at it and be like, yeah, then it was a prank. No, now right. it's a crime.
2: I think what it does is, and, and this is where you can look at it empathetically, it does highlight the, kind of the, the messages that both... Both genders were getting at the time. For b- guys, it was a lot about like if you, you're not getting laid, if you're not like when yeah. it came to sex, if you're not getting laid. If you're not out there, if you can't talk to women in a certain way, you're like not a man. Yeah. Right. And for girls, it was this complicated thing of like, you know, if I if if I do this type of thing with somebody that I'm going to be labeled for life. So like yeah. I don't know that we've moved the dial that much. I hope we have. But
3: now if someone was like, hey, faggot, I'd be like, that's hate speech. Yeah, yeah. Whereas back then it was just, they were just ribbing someone for yep. maybe being a little yeah. effeminate. Right. right,
2: yeah, It yeah. wasn't
3: like, you're pr- supporting rape culture, buddy. Yes. It's like, I'm just doing a joke that's accepted in this day and age. Yeah,
2: bit. yep, yep.
3: Do you believe, uh, this is a, uh, I'm wondering what you guys all think. Do you believe
1: uh, that Bender's dad actually beat him and abused him?
2: What about you, dad? Fuck you. No, dad. Yeah. What about you? Fuck you! No, Dad! What about you? Fuck you! <laughs> yes. Absolutely. 100%. John
1: Hughes wrote it, on per- purposely wrote it where he's lying.
2: Well, yeah, that, yeah.
3: that might be how he wrote it,
1: of course. but and he a, didn't edit par- it that way. And apparently, like, there's some, he got in like, a big argument with, with Judd Nelson, because Judd Nelson's like, no, this really did happen. And John Hughes is the whole point of the character is supposed to be a guy who's lived a kind of a boring life, who's sort of like... Makes up a whole bunch of crap to to make up for the fact that he acts this way. Well, which, they
3: made editing decisions. That of don't course, I'm
1: just curious. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, yeah if, how everyone. John I re- Hughes
2: also apparently wanted to have a scene where the principal was watching uh, one of the, his other teachers just swimming naked in the pool. Like
1: in a peephole. In a peephole. Yeah, no, they yeah. they filmed it. It was actually they filmed. The, like it's the a, scene. So I mean, point yeah. being,
2: I don't think he made <laughs> always the best. No, I don't this. think he did. I think John
3: Hughes <laughs> yeah. says this is an interesting
2: yeah. filmmaker. Well, it
3: seemed like some of those ideas too. The, the about that he had about Bender he might have transferred to Sheedy like her being the liar yeah. and coming yeah, clean yeah, yeah. and just You're saying right. i'm just here for yeah. kicks i was just going to say something that kind of bothered me was the people the kids were all so emotionally aware and intelligent that it felt a little bit false to me on rewatch. Like
1: I wrote, it feels like they talk like adults at a cocktail party.
3: Exactly. Well, it's like (laughs) nowadays I might know the residual effects that my parents getting a divorce have on me now and that I'm in my 30s. But at the time I would just be like, my mom and dad suck. You know, I wouldn't be like, here's why I'm hurting because this happened and this happened. It's like they seem like they had it all figured out about why they were so damaged. That was so advanced for a 16-year-old.
1: It doesn't it made help me feel weird. It doesn't help me that Days and Confused is one of my favorite movies ever. And that movie, that's how they talk what you're talking about. Yes. And that movie, it feels like they it feels like Linklater like absolutely captures how teenagers talk to each other, talk to their parents, how different groups like speak to each other. And so w- with that movie in mind watching this, it's like it fe- this feels like a 40-year-old man wrote a bunch of lines even though I know it's all improv, but it, clearly it's it just feels like I a bunch mean, of adults talking. I don't talking. know.
2: I, I agree yeah, I and disagree. I disagree. I think that times it w- it's yes, it's dated, yes. But like I remember watching it maybe again, I don't know how old I was exactly, but thinking to myself this was articulating a lot of the stuff yeah. that I was experiencing. And I and maybe maybe it's the stuff that went unsaid too is that like yes, Judd Nelson's character was quippy and like really fast and no one speaks quite that like, you know, uh, exactly that way, but I felt like the essence of it and the essence of what they were expressing was truthful, and I hated Days and Confused for that reason. I'd like to rewatch it, but at the time, oh, I was just interesting! Like, Holy. And I was a super stoner in, in like, high, like, I was, just, yeah. I should have identified with all of them, and I found it super annoying. So, I'll rewatch it and we'll talk again. Sure,
3: <laughs> I, I agree. They are articulated it really well. Like, you're watching it, you're like, okay, this is how things I feel but do not say, or that, yes. or know, or know how to say it. Just felt like too much, like everyone had their big escalation moment. It felt like that happened maybe two or three times too many. Yeah. It was like, fuck you, dad. Fuck you. It felt like Emilio had that Emilio moment. Emilio was the Judd one. Judd had that yeah. moment. And it's like, tell us, Claire. Tell us, Claire. No. And it's like, no more of those escalation tell us, tell us scenes. Like, I, I have a whole, like, I wrote a bunch of pages that was just like, escalation scene, escalation scene. It's like, there's too many. Of yeah. The, the
1: Emilio scene. one felt, the Emilio one in particular was the one that hit me like, it felt like it came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It felt like they're having like a normal conversation. And then Emilio just like escalates to like, Yeah. which I guess is teenagery. It's I guess teenager-y. you do there's, swing emotionally. Yeah.
0: And they're also high AF. That's true. Yeah. even before they were high,
3: like with the eat my shorts. Eat my shorts. You just bought yourself another Saturday, mister. Oh, I'm crushed. You just bought one more right there. Well, I'm free the Saturday after that. Beyond that, I'm going to have to check my calendar. Good. Are you done yet? No, no, no. Fuck you. Closes the door. It's yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. that's escalation scene number one. Yeah. Then there's another one. Then there's another one. Like, I honestly have like eight of them here. Sure.
0: I thought the cutaways, like we talked a bit about this, like so they have they separate Judd Nelson from the group, then he has to go through the fucking rafters, and then he falls through the roof, and the pr- the principal doesn't hear that for some reason. Yep. And then Anthony Michael Hall's spinning records, and the principal doesn't hear that. Like there was just a lot of, and then we have two dance sequences where now like they're Worst. they're doing the fucking Pee Wee Herman tequila yeah. like together. The what three of them. world
3: is this movie taking place or the all whistling of one as well. Yeah. Oh, where yeah. no one's whistling except for Jud. No, they were all doing up. the
2: whistle together. That <laughs> da 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 da, yeah.
0: da 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 Did you see that it felt national lampoony? Those yes, scenes. Yeah, those it scenes. Does, they did. They do feel national yeah, You're very right. Much. Uh, the, you're... out of nowhere. And although, like those dance scenes, like Ali Sheedy and Jed Nelson doing the foot thing. Yeah. You see that in every supercut of every mm-hmm. '80s montage, yep. Oscars anywhere. So it, it's iconic. Yeah. V- visually, in a lot of ways, because I think it probably makes a lot of people feel a certain way. But however old they were when they saw that movie. But I mean, it's interesting when a scene like that maybe like resonates outside of the uh, narrative of the film, where it's like, "What the fuck is this doing in this movie right now?" You know, I it's felt
1: like, that many times, where yeah. it's like this just absolutely doesn't belong in this movie. It feels so strange. Yeah, or there's a movie it was clunky, that, very clunky. Yeah, but there
2: were but there were some. Speaking of cutaways, there were some really beautiful cutaways, uh, reaction shots. There was a really small one that I hadn't picked up before, where Jud Nelson is going to it's very early on in the movie he's going to piss on the floor yeah. and there's a cutaway shot of Brian and again I don't know like I was just like are they trying to paint his character as possibly gay because he yeah. t- t- tries to take a look yeah.
0: he really yeah. wants to see the penis. I yes. think it was curiosity I yeah. did too and I
2: thought that I'd never noticed it before yep. so like, there were a few really beautiful yeah. shots that said a lot without being so yeah. well. and they,
3: they do one that's a little bit of foreshadowing when Molly Ringwald is watching uh, Judd Nelson light his boot on fire she's just looking at him like yes. I have a crush on this man Yes. and only until you've seen the movie once do you really know that cutaway that's like oh they're foreshadowing
2: yes yes yeah there was a few of those moments that were quite beautiful none of us
1: really talked about molly ringwald in the first half what did we all think of her is she a second half is she do we did we dislike her performance in this movie i liked
0: her i've heard a lot of people like i feel like historically it's kind of like an easy thing to beat up on her as like the prom queen like people either don't buy it because how she looks physically or maybe there's something with her performance that doesn't resonate i I buy it i like her Mm -hmm. in the role a lot
2: yeah. I, I, was, I, I mean I really really liked her and I think that's a hard character to play you're playing a rich entitled girl you're not like she's not likable yeah. particularly and, and, and again when she's complaining about like oh my parents blah 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 and you know she's got the diamonds like you it, it does but it's all relative too we all mm-hmm. know that when you're in your own head your drama seems like the most important thing she, I think her mission in this movie was to see other people's drama as more yep. important than her own
1: yeah I thought she was, I felt like she was like she was good she was a little kind of she wasn't nearly as compelling as the other four. Whether how much I liked I didn't I didn't like Bender's character, but I at least found him compelling. I felt she was kind of
0: You know what I, I I knew her in high school though. Me I knew too. That, I, me too. Too. I knew that girl the liked. sushi
1: thing was annoying, but I'm like, but I absolutely knew a girl. I'm, so like I don't but I knew a, the kind of person that would do that.
2: The one thing I will say, and I'm, you guys might dispute this, but I feel like the stylist needs a shout-out because their their clothes didn't to me don't seem super 80s. No. And maybe it's because fashion keeps coming up that's repetitive but a lot of times i watch movies i'm just like oh god this is so caught in like you you can clear the style like it feels like you know the stylist was like going extra and above to make it so on the nose of whatever that era was yeah and you could feel the stylist's presence in this one those outfits still i think anybody could wear them today which makes it timeless Mm -hmm. and they weren't so like oh we're gonna make the nerdy guy with the fucking tape on his yes you know what i mean they,
0: I, if you catch me on a Tuesday, I'm wearing what Anthony Michael Hall wore. If you catch me today, yeah. I'm wearing what Judd Nelson yes. wore. I read a whole thing
1: that the Silas actually had to make all of Ali Sheedy's clothes because she wore all black. And she's like, in that time, like if you try to find all black anywhere in 1985, it was like literally impossible because yeah. it was just an explosion of crazy colors. Neons and
2: pastels. And yeah, and, yeah,
1: and Judd, Judd Nelson, those were just his clothes. Like he wore those to the audition. They were like, just wear that.
2: I think that says a lot.
0: Yeah. Do we buy. Uh, the, the, the big kisses at the. I mean, okay, so let's go to the Molly Ringwald thing. She comes to him in the closet or whatever, he's locked up, and she just sort of at this point. It's I still like,
2: found that so sexy. I gotta be, I gotta be like, I love that fucking like scene. Like, they drop
0: all pretense. She's like, I'm here, I'm, I'm into this. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, no, like, yeah. fuck, like, I can't, like, I, I hate myself for saying it, but it's true. It was just like, it was hot.
1: That's the scene that scared the shit out of me because I have a daughter.
2: I know. Yep. I, I get was like, it. damn it.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, this guy's the dirt worst. Garbage man. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I was surprised after how like again. It it, he had just like kind of negged her during the whole lipstick thing and whatever. And I'm glad she re brought that up. And his, I liked his reaction. I liked that. You know, do you want the honest truth? And then he's like. Nodding his head like he was disgusted, he says, "No, I wasn't disgusted. Whatever." But, uh, but yeah, she. Uh, what, what was? What's the question? I was
0: gonna say, do we buy Emilio and Ali Sheedy kissing as they say goodbye? Nope.
2: Well,
3: I
0: yeah, it's, hate it's that ending that's a lot. Like I, I hate that ending. No, I, I
1: hate how they take Ali Sheedy's character and just kind of like shoot her in the back of
2: the yeah, head. Yeah, I didn't like it either. Oh
1: God, that makeover thing! I hated it. You
2: know, you really do look a lot better without all that black shit on your eyes. Hey, I like that black shit. This looks a lot better. I hated the makeover thing too. Yes. I mean, I did like it when I was, I don't know how old I was. I did. I thought was just like, ooh, you get to see this whole thing, ooh, there's something really powerful about a makeover. Yeah. But it's so cheesy. Like you take the yeah. most
1: interesting character and say, what if we make her completely uninteresting? And then Emilio Estevez, all of a sudden, he's like, Oh, yeah. I like her now. Another kiss. And it like, would have
2: been cooler, but it's but it's very much like think about Greece, right? Like yeah. Greece is the quintessential makeover thing too. You've got like you know Sandro. But it's admittedly D,
1: problematic. They it's know it's so problematic. But in the movie that in Greece, that like, they know it's problem. Like it's part of the plot of the movie. That I this don't is. think they know
2: it's problematic. No, no, I think that you still at the end it's celebratory, and he well, he's willing to change for her, but then he ends up. Accepting that it's better yeah. if she just looks sexy in her leathers. <laughs> and I think the same thing as this. Chills. Is, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they were multiplying. <laughs> He's um, losing control. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, and I guess what is John Hughes saying, it's like, let's take away the thing that makes you an individual if you're Al uh-huh. Hashidi. We'll make you sort of look like everybody else, including the I didn't Molly think
3: Ringwald. the makeover was that dramatic though. They oh, kind of put her hair yeah. out of her face to show her face. And- she was
2: wearing like pastel after that. She was wearing like was a light colored... Mm-hmm. Oh, my projector
1: yeah. was a little wa- washed. They took the, yeah. they <laughs> they took the black <laughs> off her eyes and she's like, I like the black of my eyes. And she's like, no, no, no. And I'm yeah. like, oh my goodness.
2: But it still is. I mean, it would have been more obviously provocative if it had been like Andrew came... Because Andrew really, he is the least interesting character. He doesn't really have an arc. It would have been more interesting if
0: he had a little kink for the weird girl. Exactly. Like that would make him fascinating. That- and it had to but overcome... instead,
1: they make him... Do the essay that, was also I hated. Oh, Brian. Wait, Brian. that's different character. No, 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 we're, we're talking no. about Amelia Westiviz. Amelia oh, Westiviz. you yeah. right, right, right.
0: Okay, sorry. That's in my good thing. I love that Claire. After all of this, we've gotten to know each other. We've all sort of we we know each other more deeply, and we we're maybe changing our ways and then we view each other. She still asked the nerd to do her fucking homework. Uh-huh. Yeah. You that like rang that? so true to me. I was like, cause people don't change. Because Molly Ringwald would ask that kid but to do the fucking like essay. They treated it like
1: it was like fun Z. And he's done he's like, Yeah, guys, and the essay like it did. They didn't treat it like That's this is, is a sad, go. horrible thing that happened here. But it wasn't. The, no, wasn't Bri- it wasn't. Brian you, enjoys doing it. Yeah, I work, read it as And best. he takes it a as an ultimate
3: compliment that they trust him. And he's like, Oh. This is cool. Oh, yeah. Boy. He enjoys writing. He does. <laughs> I am. Because he, he's good. People often. <laughs> we got use. a Molly Ringwald in the house over here. He loves <laughs> he doing their homework for us. He loves doing them. the work. No, I know what you mean. <laughs> People enjoy doing things they're good at. And that was. He went was like a, this
2: at the end. He punched yeah. himself. Like, yeah. He yeah, was so. He, he kissed himself, the paper. He loved it. He
1: That's loved why
3: it. Biff was the good guy in Back <laughs> to the Future, right?
2: He
1: <laughs> kissed yeah. the
3: paper.
2: That's
0: right. Emilio West of us got to kiss Ali Sheedy. Judd Nelson got to kiss Molly Ringwald. And Anthony Michael Hall got to kiss <laughs> the <laughs> paper.
3: Well, because that's what he. Was and In post credits, he's time.
0: stroking his gun.
3: Yeah, <laughs> actually, he was
0: all over the place. He w- he tried to check out Judd Nelson's penis. He also got a boner over Molly Wingwald.
2: Yeah, and then I think he, he kissed he was the just, paper. At yep. I don't
3: think it's gay if you're trying to check out a guy's penis. <laughs> that's
2: that's I'm I revealing too you, much of myself. This <laughs> I mean, sometimes
3: you're. That's going, like, in, hey, the sh- that's going like, like, in the show. That's going in the show description by the way. You're in grade nine. He's the youngest. Judd Nelson looks like he's almost thirty. He's like the little shrimp. saying He wants to see a man's penis. He's like, okay, I haven't gone through puberty. It's What's true. this guy packing? What you, ju- what you just <laughs> brought up was a huge
1: problem. I know this is, it's a high school movie, and you kind of have to accept these things in high school movies, but Judd Nelson looked like he was 40 years old. Compared yeah. to these. Well, know, maybe it was he, he was, was really 26. 40. So. I'm just yeah. saying he. I, mean, I know it's not meant to be watched in HD. Like I know some, But back then, I guess it was that
0: smoothed out some of this. <laughs> Definitely stuff. not in HD with that fucking yeah. glass shattering effect. <laughs> Watching the this
1: movie, like um, Judd Nelson looked so much older than all of them. It was just yeah. so jarring. It felt like like a man was like dressed up like a teenager. It felt it was. very strange. It was a 26. I know it was. Yeah. was Did you 26. look it up? Was he 26? Yeah. yeah. Wild. Yeah. He was 26, and Anthony Michael Hall was 16. Like he was legitimately 10 years older, and he. Seemed it. Right. It just, it bugged me. It bugged me the whole time that just felt like this. And it probably played into me hating him so much where it felt like he was like picking on this little girl. I'm just (laughs) realizing
2: though that to go back to the Ali Sheedy makeover thing and then Amelia, so you've still got the popular kids, the kids who kind of have a a little bit of power, right? If if that's Andrew and Claire. So Andrew, she changes for him and Andrew's like accepted. He he didn't really go out of his comfort zone. Yeah. And uh, Molly Ringwald also kind of changed, like she gets rid of her, she gives him an earring. He doesn't like, there's no you would right. never see judd nelson's character being like i'm gonna cut my hair and pull up my socks in order to date you mm-hmm. right whereas the, like ali sheedy kind of had yeah, to do he that You got to keep
0: his individuality, his individuality. it's right. part of what makes him sexy exactly but exactly. hers, she has to conform
2: yes
3: see i guess i looked at it as a sweeter makeover like <laughs> they're just showing her face because her I hair, hear you. they're showing her true beauty but what <laughs>
1: but Whoa, can't her true beauty be
0: your individuality <laughs> No,
1: but her finally <laughs> she's good-looking enough for me. That's what you're trying to say.
2: <laughs> no, but they're like, no I I know like what you're saying. Finally, like, like, I can your like face. this Show character.
1: She's good-looking now. Show your
2: face. Yeah,
0: I don't
3: think she wanted to walk. <laughs> around with her hair in front of her face. I think that was a byproduct of her wanting to shun herself from the world because she was uncomfortable. I like that take
2: on it. I think that that's, that's I, I a I think fair that's take. the point that's of
1: the take. T- I do, but yeah,
3: that's what I, yeah. I didn't think was like this total glam makeover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but what was crazy, I was like, Emilio, you know she's a psycho. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, man?
1: <laughs> yeah. She was
3: so cool. Like, like, she was
1: eating pixie sticks and Cup and Crunch Anthony sandwiches Michael 10 even, minutes like, ago.
3: He's like, are you going to be a bag lady
0: yeah. like, <laughs> when you're older?
3: Like, that's what I was thinking <laughs> at that moment. And then <laughs> Emilio Estevez, yeah.
1: like, sees, like, a little makeup on. He's like, oh, my God. Well, she Must have. I guess that is unrealistic. realistic. They realistic- even cue the
0: track. <laughs> like, like no. it's like, and she comes oh, out, music and it's like, is so oh my god! Oh, yeah. yeah,
3: I'm glad you said that. I, I really enjoyed
0: so it. No, no, but like to have it. The, it, just
2: cues up. Yeah. It, it, da, 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 isn't that the music? dude yeah. you feel what he's I can still remember it. Yeah.
3: yeah. I like the music in this movie Me too. Me
0: too. I thought we the didn't... score was good and I liked the music choices. I mean, the Simple Minds track is literally forever intertwined for the rest of eternity yeah. with this movie. And right.
2: it's one of those songs that we've all heard it a gazillion times. It still holds up. It's still a solid song.
0: Listen to this morning yeah. on the way into work just because I'd watched the movie last night and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I want to feel that song yeah. again. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
3: Okay. Yeah. Things that weren't good. Are we annoyed that the vice principal is willing to sacrifice his Saturday or is that just
2: something we need <laughs> no, to accept? No, accept that. I, that didn't bother okay. me at all. I was just like, whatever. He's like, he's really hell bent on teaching these kids a lesson.
3: Yeah, he takes a job, easy. and he likes kind of being in the empty it's school, the power. Or creeping around. Totally, you know, the he's
2: looking at yeah, he's looking at people's files. He's fucking around. Well, he we're makes, to
3: assume he does a rotating shift, correct? That he's not going to be there for the next two months.
2: Watching I think. Ben. I, I d-
0: think he implies that he's going to he be, be there think, for the next I two think months. Think he says, I got You're it. mine. Listen, okay. he makes 31k a year and he owns a house. I don't know how many people are in that home with him. Right. Ooh, Ooh yeah. You know, he, he an doesn't have kids. He
2: doesn't have his own kids. He's got a wife. Does like, he? I think so. I think Does he says he that at one wife? point. I think he mentions a wife. Mm. In my head, he has a wife. But mm. maybe, I, I think he doesn't have kids. I think but, right. but maybe they're divorced and like, I don't know, maybe there's oh, this whole maybe, backstory yeah. to this guy. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm buying it. Yeah. Didn't bother me. There's this, a whole
1: other <laughs> John Hughes movie where a guy talks about his wife where they're not really married. Remember, Plain Strains?
3: Yeah. Just oh, saying. Yes. Okay, this uh, part me. bothered me a little bit. It's getting a little nitpicky now, but Judd Nelson takes the screw out. Yeah. And then uh, the vice principal comes in. He's asking who, who took the screw out. And then uh, Molly Ringwald goes. Who would steal a screw? Why would anyone want to steal a screw? Yeah,
2: screws fall out all the time. The world's
3: an imperfect place. Give it to me, Bender.
0: Excuse me, sir. Why would anybody want to steal a screw?
3: Watch it, young lady. Well, the answer is also the door stays closed. Like, yeah. and they just act like that was some witty retort that he's like. Okay, like I'll buy that. <laughs> it's like no, you did it so the fucking door stays closed. Obviously the kid that you yeah. hate more than the anything grilling in the grilling continues. Now okay. you're searching everybody and you know Bender did it. But
2: the point of that, okay, fine. The point of that from the writing perspective was to show that Molly Ringwald was willing to Stick cover. Up for the like guy, suddenly she's gone like. from like fuck you, I hate you. They're all, all fighting with each other, and they all aligned themselves because it was like he was the greater enemy. They were. I, I got that. Okay. <laughs> I just need that
3: done a little. You bit need cleaner. the vice <laughs> principal to go a little harder about the script. Yeah, and then when he's trying to figure out ways to to prop the open door the door, away, away. door, I thought that was fine. I thought that, yeah, was, yeah, that was pretty funny. It was. It was funny. But then when he does the like, I would have expected better from a varsity letterman, and he blames Emilio. Like, I liked. I, it. Thought, I thought that, that was, was kind of a hack joke. I liked it. I'm thinking that. It is a hack ball. joke,
1: but <laughs> yeah, okay. it was funny. It still played funny. It was I, like, I was like, come really on, get, much get, much get, get this out of here. He
2: fell over it too. Like, there was oh, some I know. Like, some like, him walking Some physical over it, yeah. comedy
3: there yeah. from yeah. Emilio. It was just yeah. that line bothered me. I know I'm getting really nitpicky. Yeah. Sometimes you have to on
0: the things yeah. you don't like. All right, guys. Well, we, we do need to wrap this as well. Can I we just say one more thing? Of course.
1: It was something that Cynthia had mentioned early on about uh, uh i haven't really touched on it much yet about this this is still like as much as it's a movie about like oh about all these kids are different from each other the the geek the jock it still is five straight white suburban kids and it's still and it felt like in, in 2000 now that i watch this movie in 2019 it feels like they're all just kind of five subsections of one main section where if you re- if you were to do this movie in 2019 they would have there would be
0: high school's different in 2019 though than it was in suburban chicago in 1984
1: absolutely it's more of something that doesn't age super well where i think this movie like thinks it's i I don't i don't need movies to be like woke or anything like that but i think this movie thinks it's being like super duper woke and but now that i watch it now it's like i don't know they all seem very similar to each other it's
0: hard to penalize a film for a lack of diversity in 1985 when i bet you if you went to a high school there was maybe two black kids Mm -hmm. definitely no Asian kids or South Asian, you know what I mean? Or it's like there's one or two. So it's like the people that would end up in detention would probably look like that, I get what you're saying, but that's always a, a weird thing to do when we're revisiting films, of right? It's like to it an something for... well, I,
1: I, Whenever I see but '80s it... movies that are like so hard right. into suburbia, which I think happened a lot in '80s movies, it just
2: it just it, it... felt felt a lot like my high school. That's for sure, which had no diversity, and there then nobody. Go. If you were and there were lots of gay jokes flying, and if you were gay, as there were gay people in my high school, nobody like you. They were. It was very hard to disclose that. So I felt it felt honest to me in that way, yeah. even though I do agree with you. It's hard to watch without that Mm -hmm. diversity.
3: And even if he wanted to write uh, like a black character or an Asian character, it might feel so disingenuous and lame and he might get slack for, Mm. oh, now you're speaking on racism. This white guy's doing this person's plight, which he knows nothing about. And he's crowbarring it in for the reasons you're... I do think, I wonder if they will
2: ever remake this movie and what that would look like. It seems seems, ripe for it. Yeah, it does seem ripe for it. I mean, I think it's a classic. I think it would be a shame if they ever did it. I think they would fuck it up.
1: Yeah. But uh, But you could not call it Breakfast Club, but do another... This we all could. takes place in
3: one room with five with, with five mm-hmm. high school kids. There yeah. must be some version of that, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, the coffee that was spilled <laughs> in the, with the vice principal, that was like liquefied Nutella. That was not real coffee. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. You cannot I take your eyes that. off that. I was like, yeah. what?
2: This cow kind of sludge? <laughs> yeah. What oh, are you drinking, no, I watch man? That again. But he,
3: he, when he's muttering to himself, he even kind of comments on it. He's like, oh, yeah. it looks like it was cr- <laughs> off the bottom of the Mississippi River, That's <laughs> shitty coffee. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I didn't even hear that. Yeah. I liked the orange in his mouth though. I did I thought there was some yeah. he was a great character actor. Like yeah, just an great. incredible job. So anyway, shout totally. out to him. Totally. As as a
0: real character, I, I Shane, I know you said he resonated with you, but I felt like he was there as a foil for the kids. It was such a large performance, like I he, was yeah, yeah. He, he was national lampoony. Yeah, I he still absolutely was. He was. I had a gym
3: teacher like that guy. Oh my god! And I had a similar That's, relationship I did too. Yeah, and I was harassed by him too. Oh my god! Yeah. See,
2: I yeah. Even though the over-the-topness, it, I had an art teacher mm-hmm. like him who was just like hammy, who would say the same things and like just mm-hmm. yell at students for no reason. Picked on the ones who we yep. just felt like were like bad for no reason. Like I, I, the, those yeah. archetypes kind of carried yep. through. Absolutely. Well, yeah. and
3: he would tease me, and then the one time I teased him, and then he the called me into of his me. office and harassed me. Oh no! Yeah, God. yeah, Mr. Richardson. <laughs> oh,
0: fuck that! Fuck guy. Fuck you! We can beat that, <laughs> but... Fuck you, Mr. Richardson, <laughs> if you're listening.
3: <laughs> 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 fuck you!
0: All right, here we go. Okay. All right. So, who wants to start?
3: I'll start just All to right. be a uh, uh, little polarizing up this the is top it, this here. This is the big verdict. What we're is gonna, this part? Just because Cynthia This is where
0: we decide whether to keep it on the pedestal or oh, knock it off. Okay. 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 Yeah. Oh my God! Okay. I know. I think you oh. already. <laughs> Unless you had more flaws that you wanted to point out. No. 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 All right. Let's do it, Shaney boy. This felt like
3: a very well done tv movie to me in watching it all these years later like my my wife who admittedly she had bias to this film cuz she didn't like it to begin with but on rewatching it she was laughing along to scenes and so was i like when Emilio's talking about taping the butt cheeks and it's so dramatic, I'm laughing at that part because I'm like, okay, if this was jackass, this would just be some cool thing. And he was, was, like, was like, the level of embarrassment that guy felt. I'm like, this is a story I tell on our podcast every week. And, and like, I like own up to it. So it just felt like a little dramatic at certain parts. And for that reason, I'm saying awesome TV movie, take it off the pedestal. And there could probably be something better that resonates with people of that age group sure. right now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Do you want to go next, take. Cynthia? I don't
2: know. I I can't help watching it again. It's probably about the twentieth time I've watched it. I don't think I can have a clear perspective on this that isn't totally enmeshed with my own personal nostalgia. I I. I found myself yesterday while noticing all of the cheesy elements and the things that are problematic, I still was like, this is fucking clever as hell. It's still, it's timeless, it's good dialogue, and I really just enjoyed the experience. There's not many movies you can watch 20 times and still be like seeing new little things and it doesn't bore the shit out of you. For for that reason, I would leave it on the pedestal.
0: Beautiful. Me? Go for it,
1: buddy. Uh, I... I'm not going to be as kind as you both where I would say that it's of all the movies we've done, this is probably near the bottom of the movies that we have watched. I think I absolutely hate this movie. I think it's, Pretty annoying throughout. I think Bender is one of my least favorite characters of all time. How I, bad were
3: you bullied in school, pops? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <well. laughs> like, was it bad?
1: <laughs> pretty bad. Okay. Um, so maybe this film really does maybe, touch I, you I in guess, a place. But, but also, it's just annoying. This movie. I feel like this. Like uh, the little parts that that are like, hey, like the, I felt they they were big to me. They were so annoying. The dancing. This, like there was just so like the the getting high stuff. Like it was just so annoying. This movie that I'm like I, the many times I'm like, how long is this movie again? Um, I, I've, I've said all my things that I dislike and I'm gonna just say straight up off the pedestal, easy for me to say that.
0: Um, I, I, yeah, I mean this movie, watching it again all these years later, I actually thoroughly enjoyed watching it. I found like um, the performances, sort of the, the issues raised, the interpersonal uh, dynamic that all of these characters had, the tension throughout was absolutely compelling. The hour and a half did not feel long to me uh, at, at any point. I found myself thinking a lot because we're obviously viewing this through 2019 lens how young people, if you're in high school now, I'm sure that these um, issues still resonate at a high level. The way that they deal with them. Do kids talk more? Are they more open now? Like, obviously, this is pre-cell phones. This is pre-internet. And so, like, there's an openness now. And I think, like, this sort of institutional understanding of, like, sexuality and interpersonal dynamics and bullying and individuality and the way that your personality is sort of a strength, if it's uh, unique, as opposed to sort of, like, a a weakness um, or something to be made fun of. So I don't know if this movie would be as, like, sort of... um would resonate as much with somebody watching today. So it's really hard for me to sort of think about, like, if you put five kids in a room today and took away their cell phones, would they connect in the same way? I mean, you spoke to this earlier, Cynthia, obviously. Uh, So I think that the movie actually is better than I thought it would be. And I really struggled whether to keep this on the pedestal or knock it off. But there, enough time has passed where I don't know if it absolutely holds up with people watching it today, teenagers that need to see it, or if it, plays to us as people that had it as a part of our lives when we were very young, and it did speak to us with the exception of Jonathan mm-hmm. Um and there's just enough weird fucking things happening in this movie where I'm like, why are they dancing? Why is this happening? Why is the vice principal such a goofy character? You know what I mean? There's just enough happening that it kills me, but I think I got to knock it off the pedestal.
2: Oh, oh boy. Oh, damn. But I was
0: right on a razor's edge. Yeah, that's fair. I really, really, really enjoyed this <laughs> film. I just don't know if in 2019 this film is a pedestal movie. But shit, as like an 80s sort of like... Uh, uh, time capsule and great performances and something that you go, hey, do you want to see something that resonated with like your parents or with your older siblings? Or maybe even now. Maybe we should have had somebody on that's like 17 that watched this. I'd
2: be totally curious. And ask what
0: they think of it. Because to me that's the true test and that's why I really struggled with this verdict.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I think that's. But this is something that comes up a lot with a lot of movies we do. Of like, how do you separate when you watched it when you were younger versus Mm -hmm. how I'm watching it now? Because it's tough. It's really tough. (laughs) Totally
2: true. Mm -hmm. It's very tough. That's an interesting test to have. Always somebody on the panel who's never seen it before. Yeah. And who maybe is of a certain age. It's an interesting question. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: All right, Cheney.
3: All right, I guess we're going to close the
2: book.
1: First,
0: Cynthia, thank
1: you so much for coming on. Thank you guys for having me on. Check out her book.
2: Yes, check out my book and my podcast. And the
1: social. (laughs) Did we even mention that that you're on the the social? social. Oh, we
2: did off the top. Check out my podcast because I don't have one, but check out my website, findyourpleasure.com. And the book, Find Your
0: Pleasure, The Art of Living a More Joyful Life.
2: Thank you. Out January 7th.
3: Speaking of books, we're going to close the book on that one. (laughs) Wow, good segue. <laughs> what a sound effect.